The following program is an MLWRadio.com production. It is indeed, and that means a lot of our listeners are probably trying to figure out, hey man, where can I get a really nice gift at an affordable price? If you're looking for something for the lady in your life, man, $8.com is the place to be. Bruce, have you checked out $8.com yet? Uh, as a matter of fact, I have, but I, I, I'm a little bit confused. How, how much is the stuff over there at $8.com? It's $8. That's right, $8. So this is the perfect place to get all of your Christmas shopping done for the women in your life. And I'm talking to you. You know who you are. You're wondering, what am I going to get my sister? What am I going to get the ladies at the office? What am I going to get my aunts? What am I going to get my cousins? This gets expensive. Well, not at $8.com. You can get high-quality gifts at a very affordable price. They like to call it affordable elegance. They've got a ton of stuff on the site, lots of different colors, and it's just $8. We're talking about stunning hoop earrings, elegant stud earrings, an infinity double circle necklace, a cross-infinity statement ring, all kinds of bangle bracelets and stacker jewelry. It's everything you need to look like you spent a fortune but it's our secret. You only spent $8, $8.com, Bruce. But here, here's, here's the, the scary thing is my daughter's already been on the site, and she's picked out basically every pair of earrings on this site. Well, you're in luck because everything is $8. This doesn't get any easier than this. Give a great gift. Look like you spent a fortune, and it's our secret. You only spent $8 at $8.com. That's the number $8.com. This is too easy. $8.com. Hey everyone, it's Tony Schiavone, and before we continue here this week, just a moment to say all of us here at What Happened When are shocked and saddened on the death of Tom Zink. We've had a lot of fun over the past 11 months with the Z-Man, and much of it was sincere. I always thought Tom had the look and the ability to be a big star in wrestling, but sadly, that never happened. He was also a very nice guy, great guy, and I always enjoyed talking with him in my early days at WCW. We had hoped to have him join us on an episode of WHW, but he had stayed out of the public eye and wasn't really easy to track down. So on behalf of myself and our entire staff at WHW, Conrad Thompson, Matt Kuhn, Dave Silva, our thoughts go out to Tom Zink and his entire family. Our prayers are with them at this time. Tom Zink passes away on December 9th at age 59. Up in wrestler heaven is the thing You trade your boots for angel wings And once we've all said goodbye You jump on the top rope and you learn to fly Back, back to the seaman Robinsdale classmates And he 
is the part that hurts everywhere. When I reach for the hot tag and you're not there, bye bye to the sea man. Won't see you again in my lifespan. Bye bye to the sea man. Your five thousand hot tags in. Everybody sing Bye, bye to the Z-Man Won't see you again in my last man Bye, bye to the Z-Man Your 5,000 hot tags in Maybe someday we'll see you work again And I know we'll always miss our good-looking friend Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to What Happened When Monday on the MLW Radio Network and the man of the hour, too sweet to be sour, although we are a little sour after last week's episode, yeah. Tony Schiavone, what's going on, man? How are you? It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas, toys in all the stores, get your Lowe's Rules t-shirt now, your Klondike will be up now. How you doing, bud? And Tom Zink was a good-looking man. <laughs> yes, he was. Thanks for tuning in. We appreciate you hanging with us after last week's shit show. Starcade 1991. Is it the worst pay-per-view of all time, Tony Schiavone? Don't ever do that to me again. Don't ever say, we're going to do a battle bolt to that. Don't know. Yes, it was. Well, I mean, we got to do one next year. For oh. 92, right? Yeah. 
No. I mean, this We're is battle bowl out, motherfucker. Battle bowled out. It's like a lump of coal in the stocking. And it's interesting because it drew well. So they did it again. But as far as critical acclaim, hmm. worst shit ever feels yeah. like it. Yeah. I felt like it was the worst shit ever, but then that's just me. But you know what? Uh, you have to take the good with the bad. For instance, for instance, the show that we're about to watch Starcade 99. I watched it. You know what I first thing I thought about after it was over with? Drinking. Well, that too. Uh, and I don't drink. Uh, I thought about, you know, we did a lot of bad shit, but there were some good things in the show. And I would, I would say this, that it was every bit as good as some of the pay-per-views we see on the WWE right now. Really? Yeah. This, this show we're about to watch. Right. With the exception of the end, I, look, there were some good things in this show. Sure. And the, some of the stuff that the WWE puts out right now is not that good, right? I would agree. So, you know, I just thought it was every bit as good as some of the stuff we put out now. That's just my thought. Well, we're happy that you're with us. We're going to get right into it. Uh, no filibustering today. We're going to get right to Starcade 1999. As a reminder, next week we're going to be covering the Go Home episode of Nitro for Starcade 97. So pull up Nitro on your WWE network with us next week and watch December 22nd, 1997 Nitro. And then on the 20th anniversary, and Tony, I don't know if you've ever noticed this, we're doing this from a home theater. Look what is to my left and has been here as long as you've known me. Wow. I didn't know it was there. It's a poster from the original Starcade 1997. It went down on Sunday, December 28th uh, at 7 p.m. Eastern. So we're going to bring you the Starcade 97 show as an added little bonus, not replacing a show, but a little bonus on December 28th of this year. It's going to drop at 7 o'clock Eastern. That's p.m. So instead of waking up with Tony and I, You'll still get to do that that Monday, and you're going to do it for the go-home Nitro. But then in the middle of the week, on December 28th, tune in at 7 p.m. and watch along with us and relive those great memories. Relive the great memories of when we started to go downhill. What's the biggest pay-per-view of all time to that point? Right. For you guys. Uh, So let's go ahead and have you fire up the WWE Network right now. And, of course, it's Tony and I most of the way, but we do have a little partner we like to sneak in here with us. Yes, we do. And we're going to throw it to her in just a minute. But first, I want to tell you, you know, Tony, this uh, this show sold not as many tickets as the last two. But if you're looking for a hard-to-get ticket this season, the uh, place to go is to get a SeatGeek download. Go ahead and download the SeatGeek app. Tony did it for the Rose Bowl. I did it for the Sugar Bowl. And you should do it for the football games, for the wrestling events, for the concerts, for the plays, just about for anything, right, Tony? And SeatGeek is a sponsor of this edition of What Happened When. Buying tickets to sports and concerts can be complicated, as you know, Conrad, and also confusing. But there's a better way to do it, and that, of course, is with SeatGeek. And we've got a great special for all of our listeners who are listening to What Happened When here in this December. Listeners get $20 off their first Seat Geek purchase. You got to download the Seat Geek app. That's what I've done. It's what Conrad's done. Enter the promo code What Happened. That's What Happened. That's promo code What Happened. W H A T H A P P E N E D. One word for $20 off your first Seat Geek purchase. We both love it, don't we? I love it. Because right, here's what I love most about it. 
They scour all the other ticket sites. They put it all in one deal for me. So I can tell them how many tickets I need and what my budget is. And it's actually going to tell me based on my needs, here are your best tickets. They give you a, cl a clear rating. You know exactly what it's going to be. And when you click on the tickets, you can actually see your view, right, Tony? See the view of where your seat is as it pertains to the, the let's say, the football field or the arena or where you're sitting as far as the theater or concert is concerned. That's the best place to go. There's nothing, nothing easier than getting a ticket with SeatGeek. So make sure you join us for SeatGeek. What happened is your promo code, $20, $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Download the app today. It's free, the SeatGeek app, and save $20. This pay-per-view comes with a little disclaimer at the front. So after your commercial airs, uh, we're going to go with the disclaimer and we're going to start the show to include the disclaimer this week. Are you ready, Tony? I'm ready. All right. Um, you think she's ready? Yeah. <laughs> well, if she be sober, she be ready. Three, two, one. Happy New Year. I play. Thank you, sweetheart. He's looking so good today. The following program presented its original form. TVMA. That means V. For violence. I thought that was interesting that they threw this in here. We get a special extra yeah. warning here saying that it's MA, explicit language, adult themes, violence may not be suited for suited for those under 18. So yeah. we get two separate warnings. So yeah. here we go with the show. All right. And this is the tradition Starcade. And this is the voice of, by the way, uh, Scott Hudson doing the voiceover talking about all the different matches. Hacksaw Jim Duggan going up against the Revolution. And, of course, Hacksaw uh, doing a great job of being the janitor as well. And the Revolution uh, doing their uh, Cuban impression. Uh, Sting and Lex Luger. And, of course, Sting uh, fighting for the honor of Miss Elizabeth. Boy, was she so beautiful. Uh, yes, uh, uh, this is Harlem Heat and Midnight. Uh, the crazy David Flair. I've seen David lately. He looks as crazy now as he used to. Uh, and uh, Ming and uh, Norman smiled. Norman was so good at that. Uh, Jeff Jarrett get a bunkhouse stampede match against the natural Dustin Rhodes, who's coming back from his first incarnation as Gold Dust. The Mamelukes will be in there against Lash LaRue, who, by the way, as we know, Lash LaRue um, ruined our business. And Oki from Muskogee. Uh, oh, he looked good, didn't he? Against uh, Vampiro. Ugh, Evan Courageous. Ugh. Next. Oh, hello, Medusa. Did I ever tell you I was in love with Medusa? We've heard that. Uh, and then, of course, the powerbomb match. The two big, biggest men. Uh, and that is, of course, Kevin Nash. Big Sexy. And Sid Vicious. And then for the World Championship uh, soon to end his career, Bill Goldberg, to end the career of the one and only Bret Hart. Now, that was that, and now we got to watch another open. Weird. Was that was this the WWE just sticking this on this? It feels really weird. It no, that's the, way it, that's the way it happened. And so we had the commercial, and then we have the, the, the logo, the shitty logo, the vagina logo, and then we've got this open, which is actually pretty cool, don't you think? Compare this to the logo open that we had for the one we did last week in 91. And I know this is eight years later, but as you can see, graphics and a little bit of coolness have crept into WCW a little bit better. Right? No doubt. It's yeah. interesting, though, that 
last week's pay-per-view, although it was awful, set a pay-per-view record for WCW. This, however, going to be one of the worst buy rates in company history. It's a point three. Last week, of course, we covered Starcade 91 Battle Bowl. It got a 1.2. They had 9,000 seats uh, filled for Starcade 91. Here we've got 8,582 paid. Uh, the gate, though, is much larger, $362,550. So still a decent gate, but way, way down from Starcade 98, where you guys beat Goldberg, which I'm sure we're going to cover next year. And this was the MCI Center. Uh, in downtown uh, Washington, D.C., of course, and this was Starcade. Uh, and the uh, your broadcast team, Tony Schiavone, Scott Hudson, and Bobby the Brain Heenan, we are all going to be at ringside. MCI Center became a pretty good place for us uh, and, a, and a good venue for us. And um, it's, it's amazing when you think about it. Bret Hart, one of the biggest stars ever, uh, to face Goldberg, uh, Certainly a guy that was one of our biggest stars, and we did such a terrible buy rate. What I think is interesting about this show open is usually they start with something from the announcers. Yep. And we don't see you guys here. Instead, we go right to the matches, and out comes show favorite, Mr. Disco Inferno, uh, who's been a little bit of a baby face and putting his goofy leopard print hat on a kid in the crowd. Pretty cool of old Disco there. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, we see the fans and this is going to be a kind of an extension of a angle between the disco inferno owing, uh, Tony Marinara's dad his uh, the big pop or whatever he was some money. So he brought out his mama Luke's, uh, Johnny, the bull and big Vito to take care of him. And of course, who else would disco have, but his partner, but then the kid, the Cajun himself, Lash LaRue. Does this feel like the most thrown together tag team ever? Yes. Disco and Lash. Yes, it does. I mean, can you describe, I need you to call this entrance from Lash. This is something else. Okay. Woo. I'm Lash LaRue. Ooh, look at them sideburns. And I'm going to go a two sweet over there. No, I'm going to go over here. Ooh, give me some, I'm going to give somebody by beads. Yes, sir. I am so cool. What do look at my sideburns? Fuck. He was fucked up. Wasn't he? From Alabama, believe it or not. Is he really? I think he's from like Aniston or Gadsden or yeah. somewhere there. Yeah, boy. I wonder, wonder if he was an Auburn fan. Got to be an Auburn fan. To look like that. And it's a shame, you know, because uh, as we've discussed on the show before, and he just dropped a few pounds and you dropped a few pounds. WCW would still be in business. Absolutely. So there you go. Goes back to this. And now here they come. Tony Marinara bringing in his uh, hit squad, Johnny the Bull. And he trips on the entrance, trying <laughs> yeah. to look cool. Yeah, he tripped all over himself, more ways than one. Oh, it's interesting that you say that because I found him to be entertaining in ECW. You know, he 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 really hams it up for the camera. I thought he had good facials. He did. He was a bump machine. He would take anything from you. Mm-hmm. Why why were you why are you down on Tony Mama Luke? Uh, I just think that uh, I I think in the the I think I'm more down on the angle than I am him. Okay. Let's call because look, this is an angle. This is an angle pulled out of an Italian American. Uh, oh, so you, you got heat over the the Italian side? Well, it's it's an Italian American typecast. Okay, is what it is, and it it works if you're really going to kill somebody, but not in a wrestling match. Okay, unless he really breaks his thumb, collecting to break the thumb. But as we see, they look like they're trying to kill the Disco Inferno gear. 
So it just didn't work. So nothing about Tony Marinara, nothing about uh, Big Vito, who I really liked, uh, and uh, nothing about Johnny the Bull. Big Vito has a podcast now. Did you hear that? Does he really? Did you did you know about it? No. Does everybody nobody have, else that either? Yeah. Does every, does everybody have a podcast now in wrestling? Yes, including Tony Schiavone and the Mortgage Guy. Oh my gosh! So again, this is WCW's biggest pay per view of the year, um, and just a few years prior to this, you guys would open with like, uh, you know, Eddie Guerrero matches or Rey Mysterio matches or um, Jushin Liger matches, Otani matches here. We got Lash LaRue. Yeah. Well, here we're in the Vince Russo era. Vince has always said he wants to give a little bit of something for everybody in the matches. And to his credit, we've got a storyline here. And I'm big about storylines. Hey, do we have any storylines at all in the last pay-per-view we did? No. And that's no, what I no. wanted to mention. You know, yeah. you started off saying you weren't really hot on this because you thought it was a silly angle, but all mm. I could think was at least it was something. It was exactly to last week's episode with, yeah. with 91. But, you know, historically, a lot of times the WCW opener on pay-per-views would not necessarily be a big heated feud. It would instead be these guys doing like a, a high-flying cruiserweight match. Right. So maybe there wasn't a hot issue, but there was definitely a hot match. Yeah, and it was an issue, as you can tell from the fans, are really not buying. Now, if you go back, fans, and you listen to this thing with the actual commentary, you're going to hear two things here. You're going to hear this be sweetened. They were, have, they were pumping the crowd noise, okay, to the point to where it's silly. You thought they were, and they were doing that live. They were doing it live, okay? And you'll hear that you may listen to this and say, you know what? Ooh, I can hear Scott Hudson, and I can hear Bobby the Brain Heenan, but I can't hear Shivani that well. Why is that? Hmm. Hmm. I wonder why. I wonder if there was a couple of people uh, in the truck who had it in for me. Well, don't don't play games. No, I'm playing it games. It wasn't Keith Mitchell. I know that. He's a straight-up guy. But I have a feeling there were a couple of guys in the truck that had it out for me and wanted me to sound as shitty as I could. And here comes the disco inferno running over Johnny the Bull. Here comes a cover. Billy Silverman down. Sarah Silverman's twin brother. And he calls the break and gets the other guy out. So that's two things to look out for if you watch it with the sound. Nobody's going to do that. But yeah, yeah, no, they're not. But uh, listen to some snips of it. Uh, Of course, you're going to have a much better time listening to it, watching it along with us and the Disco Inferno, who certainly gets, uh, it doesn't get enough credit for being, uh, we've mentioned this before, a very good performer. I feel like we should mention right here that Russo did something not a lot of people have done. You know, uh, I think we've told the story before that George Scott helped put together a lot of the early Starcade productions. And then he was a big part of WrestleMania. But here in the same calendar year, Vince Russo would ruin WrestleMania uh, 15 in 1999. And then just a handful of months later, he would ruin WCW's WrestleMania, Starcade 99. So single-handedly, wow. Vince Russo managed to ruin the two biggest shows from the two biggest companies in the world. You're blaming Vince Russo for ruining? What, what did he run about WrestleMania the, in 99? Well, they hung the big boss man. Okay. Like hung him. Like, like with a noose. Wow. From the ceiling. Okay. That's not good. It's kind of stupid. Yeah. Uh, and now, so, that being said, I like Vince. We've talked about this before. You like Vince. Oh, yeah, a lot. We're busting balls and uh, going 
go ahead and, and tattle. I know the Vince Russo army is out. Right. Uh, tag me in your hate tweets. I don't give a shit. Uh, hey, hey, it's Conrad. What? Look, this show sucked. This show sucked. Yeah. Okay. Uh, there were some things about the show I liked. You like the fucking finish that we're going to cover in a minute? You mean the, the, the end of, of the, the show? main event? No, no, oh. no, 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 no. I don't. Well, that's why you buy pay-per-views, Tony. You, uh, hey, you can't tell me that ladder match wasn't damn good. That oh, we're getting ready no, to. I'm not saying there's not good stuff on the show. Exactly. You can't, but you, I'm saying if your takeaway is, holy fuck that finish yeah, of the main event. I know. Yeah, I agree. So anyway, we'll get to that. But right now, Johnny the Bull with a reverse chin lock uh, applied on the Disco Inferno. A great vertical base here. I'm just kind of warming up, you know, for my next MLW appearance. Yeah, that. if you'd like to hear Tony uh, in action calling real matches and not being a slap dick about it, yeah, uh, check him out at MLW.tv. Are you happy now, Court? Uh, and we also got an, another event coming up in January, Zero Hour. Yeah, and you can buy your tickets at MLWradio.com. Mm-hmm. Is that good, Court? Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, here we go. And here's Big Vito and Johnny the Bull. Uh, double TV. Ooh, yikes. Have you ever had somebody do that to you? Uh, no, I'm not. Have you? No. That- I, so Vito here gets a little bit of a bad rap, but I always felt Vito, and I know he normally works as an underneath guy. Yeah. Vito was always a solid performer for yes. what he was. You know, yes, there, there's he was. lots of uh, of players that you need to put on a show. Yeah. And you need everybody to play their role. And I thought Vito did a great job in his role. I agree. Vito was a hardworking kid, and uh, even, even in ECW, you know, when he was working as an underneath guy. He managed to get heat from the crowd. And, and so one of the things I liked is a lot of people online would say, oh, he had go away heat. And I'm like, well, are you booing? Because that's kind of the idea. Exactly. Like That means he's doing his job. Exactly. Ooh, double team. Great double team maneuver. Uh, ooh, a rocket by baby. Uh, also, I'd like to say here that uh, I thought Heenan was kind of uh, – this is one of the last pay-per-views Heenan did Heenan, Heenan had given up here. Yes, I was getting ready to say. Heenan in this, uh, I actually watched this with the sound this week, and yeah, I felt I like Heenan just didn't give a shit. No, he didn't. Uh, and Scott Hudson, one of the great guys, one of my good friends, really worked hard to try to make it a good show. I felt like Scott Hudson was trying to put on the performance of his lifetime. He was trying to really make sure that he was a contributor. And, yeah. I mean, look at all the empty seats here. I know. Because it's early on and people don't give a shit about this match. <laughs> Second time the veto's done that. And this, you know, this was silly because why waste so much time up there? That, that is, that's not good. If you're trying to portray this as being real, you don't do that shit. Okay. And he missed and here comes Lash LaRue. Now, if I want to tag in someone who's going to win the match for me, it sure would be Lash LaRue. I would rather tag in the referee. <laughs> okay. And Lash going to the attack. He is from Alabama, by the way. By the way, Lash is a great guy. I've actually met Lash a few times. Oh, of course he is. We're just having fun. We give everybody on our podcast shit. And we don't mean it with the exception of Evan Courageous. I appreciate you clarifying. I I just feel like sometimes people, like whenever I say Brutus the fucking barber beefcake, and I say it with a little more disdain. Right. People are like, What's the heat, bro? Yeah. Man, we're trying to make you laugh. The heat, bro, is between your ears, guys. We're we're, we're trying to make you laugh. It's not that serious. Jesus. Uh, Johnny the Bull looks like uh, the prototype for a wrestler yeah. that, uh, you know, we would see in the WWF during the 2000s, does he not? Right. Sure does. Absolutely. Uh, short haircut, big thick neck, right? Abs. Big broad shoulder, abs. Absolutely. Big traps. Absolutely he does. And Did now he just ha- hammering it with Lash. Ooh, ooh, Lash with that. 
Now, was that a great move or what? Well, and then you, the you, movie can, say, you can, you can go ahead and holes. say what. Okay. Yeah, what? Yeah. Uh, how about the pineapple Willie haircut he's sporting here? It feels <laughs> like he and The Rock from a couple years prior to this went to the same barber or just had the same floby. Pineapple Willie? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Look at the, the uh, yeah. empty seats in the front row. I know. Oh, that's right. Jump up on top, dumbass. Good move. By the way, how about that decision to do that move? Mm -hmm. The top rope leg drop. He actually did that off the top rope to the floor. Mm -hmm. Broke his fucking tailbone. Did you see that? Mm. It was for you guys. You remember that? I don't remember that. He broke oh his tailbone. God. Yeah. He could have been paralyzed. I mean, I, I know that you, you're young and you're, you're jacked up and you're on TV and you're in good shape and you think you're just going to fucking live forever. Right. Some of this stuff is like, God, is this worth it? Well, it, it's the same thing that I told the kids back in uh, MLW's Never Say Never. All the stuff looks good, guys, but what's your longevity? Right. As far as being in this business. Well, I, I'm not, not just so sure. in this business, being a functioning adult. Right, exactly. I mean, you can't turn your neck now, and it's not from doing a top rope leg drop to the floor. Right. <laughs> exactly. It's from, you know, trying a 69 with Lois. <laughs> wow. On the edge of that mahogany bed back Yikes. in 97. Whoa. Back to the match we go. And Lash LaRue missed. <laughs> and he, oh, my God. Blockbuster. Blockbuster. <laughs> Blockbuster. <laughs> oh, God. A cover. One, two. Lash LaRue does the job. Oh, yeah. And now here comes the part that kind of uh, morphs into uh, an alternate reality. They are going to put him, they're going to give him ether. There you see Jackie Crockett still running camera. They're going to bring the ether. They're going to knock his ass out. They're going to put him in a body bag. Then they're going to put him in the back of a car as if they're going to kill him. Well, thanks for the spoiler. What are we going to talk about now that that hasn't happened? Mm, well, I just thought I like, well, well, let's call it like we've never seen it before. Okay. Okay. Oh, uh, what are they trying to do? What's Tony Marinara up to here, Conrad? I don't know, but he took his watch off, Tony, and that's not a good sign that's in the mob a, family. Oh, my God. He's, oh, something in the case. Maybe it's the money that he owes. Maybe he's got to sign a check. I, whatever it is, he can't get out of the. What the? He's. Oh, it's a. Botchamania! Oh, no. It's a, it's a life preserver. No, it's a garbage. It's it's it, a body bag from it, the WWF. It's a body bag, Mike. It's a body bag. Are they going to try to kill him? Are they going to try to actually actually kill him? Oh, he's got his nose. Uh, Three Stooges style, Tony. Uh, the deadly got his nose. Uh, oh yeah. Oh, but oh, he's using nitro cologne on him. Oh my God, it's no. nitro. You can smell it from here. It yeah. stinks. Oh God, he's wide he's, awake, but but out. Not. He's dead. Yeah. He's dead. So, They've killed a guy. Call wait the a minute, police. Wait a minute. I just figured it out. That wasn't Ether. Bud. It was J.J. Dillon's podcast. <laughs> Disco is out cold. <laughs> He's been rich bokinied. Ah, oh, roll him out. There you go. Yeah, okay. Nobody's standing perfectly still, <laughs> but asleep. All right. That's it. Thank God. Now we'll go to our next match here in just a moment. Uh, and our next match is going to be one that I'm sure you fans will like since you didn't like that one at all. Uh, we may even shh. I'm, hey, I'm talking here, motherfucker. Don't tell me to shut up. Okay. What is our... Okay, shouldn't we go to the next match? What? Wait a second. We're going to stay with them, Tony. All right, guys. Are, are they going to the graveyard? I don't know. I guess they are because he's dead. Disco's been burying guys online for years. <laughs> are they going to bury Disco? Well, they... They dropped him. 
Oh, my God. Call the police. They've committed murder. He's alive! Oh, Glenn's alive, but his uh, career's dead. Uh, yeah, he's oh. alive! He's alive. Now they're going to try to kill him again. What are they going to try to do? Where are they, where are they going? What? Oh, my... In a, there's a There's car. a surge cooler! Where did they get that surge cooler? <laughs> it's a Cadillac! That... With Virginia license plates. That must be one of my uncle's Cadillacs. Oh, they go, they put him in their trunk. Now they're going to kill him for sure. Oh, my goodness. Oh. They're on their way to the WWF. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Tony Mama Luke doesn't have a driver's license, boys and girls. Next stop, Stanford Titan Towers. He went reverse before drive. How does yeah. that happen? Now, is this a tribute to Gorilla that we see Bobby doing here with the colored glasses? Uh, it could be, and it should be. The, the lowest dress you hear? No, I, th- I thought I looked pretty nice here, don't you? I'm not arguing that. I just asked if she dressed you here. You got yeah. the three-button jacket like you like it, the wide lapels. Mm-hmm. How about your hair? You've dropped some LBs, too. Maybe Debbie yeah. Sebi's going to be around. Yeah. <laughs> Drop some LBs, but I'll pick it up next year. I always do. I always sure. go up and down, up and down. So at this point, were you just eating salad and uh, to go with the bullshit you now, were calling here? You know, I'm a lifetime we- uh, member of Weight Watchers. Did you know that? How do you become a lifetime member? Uh, you, uh, be a fat ass most of your life. Oh, so I, I qualify. You qualify. Now you just gotta, you gotta spend enough money to where they consider you a lifetime member. I'm a lifetime member. And this is not an endorsement of Weight Watchers at all because they don't spend money on our podcast. Well, and clearly it doesn't work if you've seen Tony and MLW.TV. <laughs> clearly. Thank you very much. So you guys are talking about, uh, Sid Vicious yeah. and Bill Goldberg and, Sort of running down the card, but you normally do that at the top of the show. Why was the decision made instead to go right into the marinara business? I think they wanted to start out hot, and I, I agree with that. I like this. No, I like that too. Yeah. I just wonder, you know. Well, this was. Uh, why not have some cruisers on there? This is yeah. This is maybe a Craig Leathers decision to do this. Who knows? He was more, more or less the executive producer at that time. Scott Hudson, um, do you think? All in all, he was, uh, is it just timing? Is that the reason he didn't have a bigger role in WCW? Well, he had a full-time job and this was a part-time gig for him. I don't think he would have taken a full-time job in WCW. Yeah. I don't know why you'd want to. Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't going to last long. That's for sure. But now he's talking. Now I'm looking what the, what, what I'm looking at. Let's go. Uh, are we going to go back to the ring? Or where are we going to go? Yeah, we got Benoit's music here. Okay. I guess we should mention here, this is the third year in a row that we're seeing Starcade at the MCI Center. And we've talked a little bit in the past about how often you guys like to run sort of the same building for the same thing. Um, why do you think Starcade was, or, or, or DC was chosen for Starcade in this era? Because... Well, that would have to be a Gary Juster question. But again, a lot of times buildings were run because of the deals they worked out with the arenas and availabilities. There's no really pat answer to this. Does that make any sense to you? Yep. I mean, and look, Benoit looks pretty damn awesome here, doesn't he? He does. Yeah. Um, it's, I, hard, it's hard to see him on these TV shows. I agree. It's, you know, yeah. given... That you guys knew him and, and all that we've heard from those who knew him and then mm-hmm. the way it all sort of went down, it's, uh, you know, you're really not sure how to feel. 
Yeah. Uh, this is Scott Hudson's first time announcing a pay-per-view. How do you think he did? Thought he did a great job. Uh, especially for the first outing. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I don't know that you would know it was his first one unless I told you that. Uh, we should talk a little bit more about Vince Russo, I guess, because you can see his fingerprints are all over this with the, the silliness of the body bag and the trunk and the marinara and blah, blah, blah. And now, instead of there being a match right now, there's a promo on a pay-per-view. Right. Um, he had only been in a few months prior to this. I believe he comes down in October. And you've mentioned before that you guys got along and he was a big supporter of yours. Right. At this point, even though the creative is much different from what we've seen in WCW in the past. It has to feel like he would have had, uh, a lot of support in the locker room. Would that be fair to say? Yes, absolutely. He had a lot of support production wise too. I think, uh, Vince did. And, and that's a good look right there. That's uh, a great shot. Yeah. Great shot. He had a lot of, he had a, a lot of production value the, because Vince had a very organized production meeting, something that we did not have leading up to that much of. So he had a lot of support Vince did in production because they like for him to sit down and completely go over the entire show, which is, you know, was he ran meetings kind of like the way Vince McMahon ran meetings. Right. Russo did. I appreciated that because I had been there for a year and I think production appreciated that too. Meltzer wrote that Russo was already facing a lot of criticism. Um, did he ever talk to you about his booking philosophy? Or how he planned to sort of compete with the WWF? Never talked to me about his any plans that he had. No. Well, one of the things that happens is... Uh, <gasps> what? I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, God. What do you think's going on with those gimmicks right there? I don't know, but man, they are... They're wanted, they wanted to escape, don't they? Yikes. What do you think that is, though, for real? Is that like a G? I don't know. I'm not thinking about that, right? She just. She, I mean, it's really ridiculous. Should we call her? No, I don't think she should. She's just, uh, no, I don't want to call her. Well, I think we should call her and ask her. I love her. Oh, you're going to get in trouble if we call her. I get it. <laughs> okay. okay, sorry. All right. Uh, trying to keep the marriage alive. Okay, so there. Now, Evan Courageous will come out with a, really another one of my favorites. One of my favorite uh, Nitro Girls of all time, Spice. Absolutely. How jealous are you of having Courageous here? Yeah, pretty jealous. He's holding Spice's hand, and he's going to go up against Medusa. I'm pretty jealous right now. Melissa uh, was a great, great, and a great dancer, too. I assume that Spice's real name, Melissa. Melissa, yeah. Sure is. Oh, my God. This is WCW. Oh, my God. What an interesting open this is. Of course... Evan Courageous is Look having this. a stall here. Yeah, baby. Right, boom. Jump on him. Pound him into the... Hit him. Hit him. Hit that son of a bitch. Hit him again. Slap. What the hell? You better not grab her. Don't you throw her anywhere. What the... Now, that's just not right. That's just not right, son of a bitch. Oh, boy. Now you go. a girl. There you go. Yeah. Head first to the steel steps. That's what I like to see. Is she wrestling barefoot right now? I'm not looking at her feet. Uh, now she's telling him to get in the ring. I, I just, I, I just don't know how she can stay together here. I just, she is wrestling barefoot, as a matter of fact. Hooker, you know, okay, strip all this away. 
<laughs> she's a tough gal. She really is. Yeah, and Evan just punched her in the face. Well, you know, as we say, she's she wanted this match. She got in the ring. Okay. Can you imagine them trying to do this shit today? No, not at all. This is not gonna be the this uh this show is not gonna be the that's not gonna be the only time you see a woman get hit in the show during this match. Why do you think Vince Russo I mean, I guess this is heat, but yeah. do you think that's it? It's just wow. like the lowest common denominator of heat? I guess it is. I don't know. She's very concerned about the gimmicks coming Well, out. wouldn't you be? No, I'm uh, not concerned about it. <laughs> if they were yours, you would be. Okay. Uh, she just, uh, look at this. I'm, she's tough, man. Yeah, get your ass up. Look at her. I, I mean, that's got to be about 20 pounds. Uh, I don't know what to say. Double leg drop kick from the middle turnbuckle. Stomping on Evan Courageous. Let me swing by KFC and get us a two-piece. <laughs> okay. And how yeah. nice of that was uh, Courageous to grab her by the leg instead. Yeah. that was that was a dude, he's getting a handful of baloney, as yeah. you like to say. <laughs> yeah. How kidding. did you describe Iligante last week? <laughs> roll, roll of baloney. A roll uh, of baloney. Yeah. Abs- oh. Power bomb. Power bombed her ass. Okay. Yeah. Doing some talking to her. And once you talk to that nice lady like that, one, two. Look at this. Takes two to be able to power out of that. Great maneuver. Good job, Evan. I give you a lot of shit, but great job there. Whew, love to be Evan right now. Oh, and a pickup. Oh, Holy and a power driver. You know if she saved that? <laughs> that looked like that could have been disaster. <laughs> Thought she was gonna peg him. Picks him uh oh over the top. What's he doing here? Oh from the top rope. What is he doing now? Oh my god, he's going up top, Conrad. He's going up top on the oh, Medusa. From the top rope. And brings her back in. Here what? comes Spice. What's going on? Spice going up top, man. Spice, Evan, come here, baby. Come here, baby. I want to talk to you. Come here. Yeah, I want to talk to you. Come here. No, 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 no. Come here. Come here. Come here. I just, I know, honey. But I just want to talk to you because you're so good. You're such a shitty wrestler, but I love you. You're like the worst wrestler in WCW, but I still love you, Evan. Can I just kind of stroke you right here? Oh, oh, boink! <laughs> you dumbass. Never trust a woman. Valley to back. One, two, three. Guess what? Guess what? She's the champ. <laughs> yeah, baby, you tell him. That's my girl. She's the new cruiserweight champ. I guess we should mention here, this is just not too long after China had won the Intercontinental title. So WCW, the person who booked that, I guess, mm-hmm. probably also thinks that having a woman win the belt in WCW, a man's belt in WCW is good for business. Mm-hmm. And that's hard to argue. And I guess we should give Medusa a shout out. Her suplex on Evan courageous was fucking legit. The bridge, the whole deal. Yep. Now, what does this mean? That's going on here. Tony? I, I don't know. I was, this? I was looking and waiting. I mean, if you're thinking what I'm thinking and I'm thinking what you're thinking, what? She's licking her lips. Yeah. What's oh. going on here? And now Champ Bailey. All right, let's take a look. Norman, uh, uh, Norman Smiley, you've got a hardcore match coming up later on tonight, and I want to talk to you about this hardcore match because you are a chicken dick. Me, a chicken dick? 
I'm not scared of anything at all, Mean Gene. Nothing in the world scares me at all. I'm the bravest. Well, what the fuck? Oh, it was Lois. Was that Lois Shivani? Yeah, I believe it was. Look at that ugly face. Holy shit. It said boobs down around her knees. Yes, down around her knees. Scared the shit out of me. I thought it was Halloween, but I know it's Stargate. <sighs> Are we off the air? Yes, we're off the air. Okay. Uh, would you uh, move out of the way? Uh, what? I smell something. You smell... You shit your pants. I shit my pants. You shit your pants. I shit my pants. You shit your pants. It sounded something like that, I believe. Thank you for that. All right. That's what I'm going to enjoy most about this show compared to 91 is we got backstage interviews. Yes, we got something to talk about. And uh, here's something to talk about. Yeah. Uh, Ming. Yeah, Ming is going to come out. And uh, here uh, I have to say uh, that this is one hell of a hairdo. Huh? It looks like Matt Coon in the morning. <laughs> I guess it does. Although a uh, Matt Coon in the morning still is not out of bed. You know, I guess we should Lazy mention now Matt that Coon. whenever I see hair flopping like that, yeah. I can't help but think of the way Ric Flair likes his ladies. Mm-hmm. No hair, mm-hmm. no flair. Absolutely. He wants to take a candlelight down there and have to blow on it to find the scene. <laughs> <laughs> like he's looking for an old treasure map. <laughs> I it to find the, did you say did you say blow on it to find the seam oh god but not the right word to use. i don't know here comes champ bailey from the washington redskins Woo! also a former georgia bulldog as well now this is a hardcore match against ming boy he's got the surge can as well that's when you know it's fucking legit yes there a scale of one to ten how great was surge uh Six. I fucking hated Surge. I Did can't you believe really? you raked it that rated it that high. Okay. It was pretty you could uh I, I understood you could mix it with some bourbon and make it a little bit better. Really? Yeah. Is that what Lois did? Mm. Look at the look at the ridiculous yeah. uh football helmet. How how stupid it looks on yeah. Norman. Yeah. Oh, well, I love that. Slams it on his own head. Yeah. How great is Mang? <laughs> Just fuck these tools. Yeah. I, I I remember thinking, watch out guys. Yeah, they're gonna don't, hit fans. You damn straight. Don't throw that's exactly what I was thinking at that time. Don't throw shit out of here, but let's get this thing backstage as quickly quickly as we can. Um, who mm. loved the hardcore matches? Is it a, is that all Vince Russo or yeah, or were other people a big fan of this? How did Ming feel about hardcore matches? Oh, Ming would do anything. He didn't care. Ming was a pro, and you know, this the, made Norman smiling. Yes, it did. And the screaming and running and everything. Norman did a great job with this. Did a great job with this. And, of course, you know, getting a Redskin uh, jersey on or, or wherever he was. Let's say we were in Canada and he had a, a Canadian hockey jersey on. It was always like, you know, cheap pop, as fans would may say. But uh, I, I thought Norman did a good job with all this stuff. And that wrong, don't never hit a Samoan in the head, you see. Uh, and, uh, or never chop a Mad Ming. And they're going to go back towards catering here, which is always a lot of fun. Oh, big headbutt. And the hair helps sell, sell that as well. Norman goes down. Oh, hardcore title. Remember, hardcore means anything goes. Pinfalls count anywhere in the building. You can use trash cans if you like. 
Uh, you can use catering tables if you like. There you go. Thank you. Like I said. And down he goes into catering. And uh, catering was a little bit more elaborate than that. And, of course, the cookie sheet never hurt anybody. <laughs> like... That looks like WWE catering now. Yeah, yeah, really. He looks. It looks like a Brah, It looks like a Brahma bull going through there, doesn't he? Just pulling things, knocking things out of the way. I loved in these WCW hardcore There's matches. There's David Crockett. Just a random collection of fucking uh, cardboard boxes mm-hmm. stacked up. Yeah, empty, right. perfectly like unused cardboard boxes, mint condition cardboard boxes, just stacked up. Oh, my God, he threw a cinder block. Cinder block at him. That like a legit one, too. Yeah, it was. And here comes, oh, <laughs> why not? <laughs> Take him out with a, a fire. He <laughs> <laughs> just jumped through the curtain Yo. with a pipe and drape. Fit Finley. Fit Finley, who probably is as legit a tough guy as any of them. And Minger going at it. Oh, and there's Brian Dobbs. Brian Dobbs and Fit Finley were at Fit Finley's hardcore something or other. He threw coffee uh, right at him. Yeah, and there's the box. And Brian Nobbs takes the empty cardboard mm-hmm. box spot and yeah. then the empty aluminum trash can spot. Mm-hmm. Basically, Nobbs says, give me your thin, flimsy, empty shit. <laughs> sort of like my relationship with Hulk Hogan. Anyway. <laughs> uh, part of Fit Finley's hardcore boot camp. Do you remember that when it happened? Uh, no, I did no, not. No one else does either. And now Ming with a Tongan death grip and Fit Finley hits him with one of those flimsy chairs. And to the side, it's not going to phase the monster Ming. Neither is a trash can lid. Not going to phase him at all. What are we trying to do here? You might want to just take something steel, like a steel, I don't know, a, a steel bar, a lead pipe. Because those things, those chairs are not going to... Oh, the, the Starcade logo's not going to take Ming out. What do they think they're doing? This man is invincible. Look. Oh, there it is. I called for it. A lead pipe. Oh, and he bit the lead pipe across the Tongan's back. Whew, finally got him down. Only after he nearly, nearly tore his fucking groin on that yeah, coffee was, or tea or whatever he slipped across there. That's what happens. You just never know. And now, <laughs> Norman... Hiding under the table. Nick Patrick trying to dig him out of the rubble. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> Norman comes up. With a curtain on his head. Yeah. Uh, Norman says, what? Oh, well, there, it's over? Did I win? Nick says, well, you can pin him here, dumbass. <laughs> Kick him, see if he's alive. One hand, one, two, and he runs. <laughs> three, and he runs away. Uh, so Norman retains the hardcore championship. Ming decimated oh watch out nick patrick sell it kenny powers oh watch out nick he comes alive he's alive he, he <laughs> and now let's check in to see what's going on backstage candy graham it's my daddy's dick Look how big that thing oh is. Ooh, oh, the baby's arm. I'll God. take it. Ooh, ooh, ooh. All right. All right, here. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to beat Vampiro within an inch of his life. You're going to take the misfits, make sure they never ever been wrestling. You understand? Yep. Okay. 
and we're going to beat the Georgia Bulldogs in the Rose Bowl. Go get them. Here we go. Is this the bathroom? Back now to the set where Tony Schiavone, Scott Hudson, who's probably got a gun on him right now. And but wait a minute. Wait a minute. The misfits. The Look at them motherfuckers running away. A bunch of ghouls. A bunch of ghouls. Oh, look, look at the surprise look in the face of Scott Hudson. Oh, my God. Ghouls have got Oklahoma. Bobby the Brain over there saying, I don't give a fuck about any of this. I just want my paycheck. I want to go home. But we got brain sober, so what are we complaining about? Before we go back to the ring, coming up, there's going to be a tag match where Hacksaw Jim Duggan has got three, three mystery partners. How would you describe Bobby Heenan's necklace situation right now? Oh, you know what that is? They right. got that from Lash LaRue. That oh. was Lash LaRue's beads. But how would Bobby describe it? Lash LaRue's beads. Oh, I thought he'd say something funny. My okay. apologies. <laughs> I can't. So we're going to see a package here mm-hmm. of how the revolution yeah. is trying to take over WCW. And, of course, this is uh, Shane Douglas's outlaw group of folks here with yeah. Dean Malenko mm-hmm. and uh, Perry Saturn. And of course they're going to be challenging, uh, Jim Duggan and Jim Duggan at this point has, uh, been the janitor for WCW because yes. Russo didn't know exactly what to do with what him. to do with him. Right. Right. So in there, as you can see Shane Douglas and the revolution, uh, looking like good Cubans should look, uh, only thing they need is a couple of Cuban cigars and they're the revolution. And of course, Asia. And now we got hacksaw Jim Duggan in the back. Okay. Talking to the powers that be. The powers that be, right. Uh, and, a, and this is sort of a weird deal in that um, they're trying to embarrass Hacksaw Jim Duggan, and they're doing it with mustard and hot dogs. And let's, let's let you do your thing. Here, okay. Though. Hacksaw Jim Duggan, you have, we understand, some surprise partners here tonight. That's right, Mike, today. Yo, I got some surprise partners. Let me say this. Tough guy three are going to come out. And if you think they're going to turn their backs on me, well, you're right. We've got high alert. We got an angle coming. You're going to like it, tough guy. Oh, this way. Good look, Mike. That's a good look for you. Thank you. So I don't know. I don't know if you know this, Conrad, but I didn't know what was going to happen during this match. You didn't know. Did not know, but I knew. Anyone could see this coming. Sure. you? Yes. Yeah. So the, uh, of course, I guess we should give a shout out here because, uh, the revolution is being accompanied by somebody who I figured you'd be into, right? Who Asian? Yeah. Oh yeah. Asia's nice lady. Did you ever ask her to put you in a head? Scissor? No, no, not at all. I liked her a lot. So you only ask people you don't like to put you in a head. Scissor. <laughs> no, not at all. You know, I'm a, I'm good friends with her husband, Dale Torborg. Uh, we should mention that uh, the opening match here got a quarter star. The Vito and uh, Johnny the Bull taking on Disco and Lash LaRue. I'm sorry. It got three and a quarter star. Um, Dave Meltzer wrote this mm. about the uh, Cruiserweight match. The Cruiserweight title can't be destroyed any more than it already has been with the champ jobbing on TV uh, on every TV show at two minutes leading to this match. So the idea that the belt is on a woman is irrelevant. What do you think of that? Uh, I'm glad Dave is the barometer for what it destroys the title and what doesn't. Should also mention here that the hardcore title match, Meltzer gave it one star. As far as entertainment value, I'd give it more than that. Yeah. 
you know, uh, you always knew how many stars. Um, if uh, the match got a lot of stars, were Dave Meltzer? Do you know why? Don't you? Well, you you believe they were calling. They were calling Dave Meltzer, and he always any time that if you called Dave Meltzer, your match always got a lot more stars than it determined than it should have. So there. We should mention that ratings had sort of bottomed out uh, on yeah, the we way to the this Nitro. Yeah. Um, the Nitro that directly preceded this on December 13th was the second lowest rating in years. And Russo was blaming everything else, including standards and practices for not allowing him to have Roddy Piper call Ronda Singh fat and for no longer allowing Ed Ferrara to mimic JR's Bell's palsy and for not allowing Buzzkill to burn incense on the air. Uh, none of which one way or another would have probably mattered in the ratings. Right. Do you remember standards and practices being a thorn and Russo's side almost from day one? No question. The guy's name was Galen and Galen was a good guy. We all liked him, but there was a lot of times that Galen would put the gabosh on what Vince Russo would want to do. And sometimes they would do it anyway and just suffer the heat. And it was a never-ending battle backstage between standards and practices and the booking committee. So JR here is going to, uh, or not JR, uh, Jim Duggan, is going to get the crowd going in a USA chant. Right. And uh, bring out a set of surprise partners that I never would have imagined I would have seen on pay-per-view here in 99. How about you? Yeah, this was, uh, this was a kind of a shock. This was a shocker. Uh, but, uh, it was a good reaction. I thought by the announcers and it was a pretty good deal because they looked pretty badass when they came out. Didn't they? they yeah. I, I did not see the varsity club coming here yeah. and he's introducing them. Uh, Mike Rotundo out first, of course. And, um, you know, going back to the, uh, Crockett era. Whoops. How about that? That's uh come on. I want to lay It sure is for my for, right from uh, ECW here. Mm-hmm. And, uh, here comes Mike. Yeah. Leader of the Wyatt family. Mm-hmm. Kevin Sullivan, your good friend. Yep. Yeah. And, uh, what, what do we always say every time we see Rick Steiner on the screen? Mm-hmm. Woof, woof, woof. No. What's he do now? Uh, we always say that motherfucker is a member of the Cherokee County school board. <laughs> what the fuck? There you go. <laughs> what's Very wrong with this way. picture? But you know, they look pretty tough. They really did. Hey, I should mention. Well, Oh, what were we saying? You, you were mentioning something. I know. I forgot. What okay. were we saying? Okay. Back to where we were here. Uh, I have uh, Rick Steiner's Michigan jacket. You do? I do. I have Rick and Scott Steiner's Michigan jackets. Holy snakes. Isn't that cool? Where do you get that? How do you, what, what, what the heck? <laughs> I collect things. <laughs> Apparently so. Uh, Kevin Sullivan. Kevin Sullivan. I, I have Kevin Sullivan too. He's right. in the basement. <laughs> yes, I know. As a matter of fact, he he uh, got behind this uh, the statue of ET right here, and you can't see him. He's drinking. <laughs> no one, no one at home gets that, but it's still funny. <laughs> right. um, I think he's down there drinking Sam Adams in the basement right now. Yeah, it's bucking heat. <laughs> okay, and now Dean Malenko goes in. Hacksaw Jim Duggan and his uh, coveralls. Is going to go right into the lion's den. Is this before or after Hacksaw had cancer? Uh, this is after. Forearm. Forearm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and he had testicular cancer, right? Do I remember that correctly? Yes, I do. Uh, and shoulder first goes Perry Saturn. Perry 
one of my favorite workers. Oh, right into the lion's den again. Russo was claiming at this point that, uh, the same thing that happened to him in the WWF with Jim Cornette, Jim Ross, and Bruce Pritchard was happening to him here in WCW, which is saying he was undermined. And he feels like at the time, all he wasn't naming names that it's probably Kevin Sullivan and JJ Dillon who were sort of undermining him and trying to work against him. Do you think that Russo had a legitimate beef there for that mm-hmm. to be the case? I don't think, uh, I don't think you could point at any, any two people to say they were the ones undermining him. I think there's a lot of, uh, I think it was a lot of people that were undermining him. And I don't think you can just say Sullivan or JJ was one of them. Look, I know JJ being an old school guy, probably Kevin being an old school guy too, did not like some of the, the new, what I call the new age things that he was doing. But, uh, I don't know if you can really point your fingers at, at two guys. Meltzer would write that, uh, Russo was booking based on internet feedback and quarter hours rather than, you know, tickets being sold, pay-per-views being purchased. And allegedly, uh, he is planning to bring in Lenny Lane and Lodi and make them standards and practices, giving them crew cuts and glasses right. and playing nerdy characters. Do you remember right. that being oh, I sure do. an idea? Yeah, I do. I sure do. That was kiboshed, but that was the idea. He was going to rip on standards into practices. You know, it, it seemed to me that a lot of times that the more that people pushed back, pushed on Vince Russo, the more he pushed back. Well, and it feels like he, he pushed some sort of outlandish ideas at one point suggesting that maybe ultimate warrior should come back. Uh-huh. Now let's not forget that a year prior at Halloween Havoc 98, it was one of the worst main events of all time. Exactly. And so he's kicking that around and even maybe trying to bring in Bruno or San Martino. Um, obviously just to work an angle, not matches, but it's interesting that Russo is at this point, seemingly trying anything and everything. But when you're a booker, you do that, right? You try anything and everything you, you've got, look, you've got to be hello. That's a good looking crew. And Shane Douglas talking with us. You've got to, as a booker, you've got to try anything and everything, but you gotta, you gotta realize even more so now when you've got two live television shows or you got all these television shows you got to do now. They've heaped two more television shows on us, Thunder and Nitro. So the, the pressure that's on bookers and booking committees is incredible. Look, when you, you got a, you got a hot show, like, like say Seinfeld, right? That's a 30 minute episode once a week, right? This is five, six, seven hours of TV each week. So it's different. I mean, it just, uh, I had a different budget and the whole thing. Yeah. I I just don't see how they do it sometimes. There's China's another legitimately tough girl too. Uh, and now Sullivan in, oh boy. Now we all saw this coming. The varsity club comes in. Sullivan just decks China out goes one member out goes Perry Saturn. You keep calling her China, by the way. Did I say China? Asia. Sorry. Asia. I mean, how, how silly is some of this, though? That yeah. Well, Russo, we, it feels like he's just, you know, hey, yeah. well, let's just give us a WCW version of us working over there. Right. Call her Asia, since we got China. The trio, whoa, whoa. And now we see this coming and helping him up and then kick the shit out of him. There you go. Everybody know that it was coming. No, I don't think I, I knew it was coming. Because I could feel it, but 
I'm not so sure all the fans did. So now, you know, now what, what happens here, Jim Duggan has to renounce America America on the Nitro at Baltimore tomorrow night. Speaking of uh, stipulations, mm-hmm. uh, the Nitro about a week and a half prior to this is when Evan Courageous was supposed to wrestle Ronda Singh for the, inter- for the uh, Cruiserweight title, with the stipulation being that if Ronda didn't win, she would have to strip on TV. Standards and practice, of course, shot that down right. and really frowned on all men versus women matches. So right. they wound up doing this one on pay-per-view instead. Right. Um, and they didn't want Jim Duggan to just have a straight up match with Asia. Do you think that standards and practices was right at the time to shy away from man versus woman matches, or was it fair game considering the WWF had just had a pretty high profile pay-per-view match? With Jarrett and China. Well, I think it was a good idea to stay away from it. For no no other reason than we should not have to copy everything they do. They had China, we had Asia. They had a women's win woman win a man's title. We had a woman win a man's title. We I've said this before, Conrad. We came across right or wrong, probably wrong as a cheap knockoff of the WWE back at that time. Monkey see, monkey do. If they're going to do something, we're going to do it. Don't you think? I agree. Well, what do you think of uh, draping the revolution flag over Jim Duggan? It didn't bother me. It had been a Cuban flag or something like that. It would have bothered me. But let's go to Mean Gene Okerlund. Uh, and Mean Gene Okerlund says, we're going to talk here to the misfits. Who's the motherfucker in the cage? Well, I don't know, Mean Gene, because I've never done a promo before in my life. I'm usually just a shitty uh, punk rock band singer, but uh, this looks like a little sawed-off fucking runt. Uh, and we got him here in a cage, and we got him locked up. The motherfucker's not going to be able to do a thing. And I'll, we're going to, when this is all over, we're going to all gang fuck him in the ass. That's right. Oh, no, no, no. Do you really think that the Misfits are a shitty rock band? I don't know what they are. I've never heard their music. I don't know who you are. You've listened to the Misfits? Well, I mean, you know fucking Oklahoma and all these musicals, and you don't know the Misfits. Well, sometimes, you know, listen, the Misfits have done quite well. As a matter of fact, not only that, the Misfits were guys who were pretty good guys who would help us out in the back and do anything. I liked them. I liked them a lot, but I didn't listen to their music. What did you think of Vampiro? Oh, man, I liked him. I liked him a lot. And this is this match is right straight out of Lucha Underground, isn't it? It really is. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he and Matt Stryker do have done a hell of a job on that broadcast. But yeah, Vampiro was a good guy. Had a good look, don't you think? Here come Great the Misfits. Look. Here come the Misfits with Oklahoma. Now this was, you know, this was after standards and practices. Correctly so, had Oklahoma stop mocking the Bell's palsy, which was a terrible thing to do. I mean, really. You know, we all had a lot of fun, of course, with JR. And, uh, and, uh, and again, here's another thing. You know, here's the thing. He's talking about stroke right here. And so in the commentary, you know, the, this entire time, I guess we should mention that Ed Ferrara is wearing a headset and doing mm-hmm. commentary on his own match. Right. And he's saying, he's referring to beekeepers and saying beekeepers have no stroke. He's trying to work as many ways to say the word stroke in. 
because they can't have him out here mocking JR's Bell's palsy. So right. instead, they just try to work the word stroke in. Oh, you know, doesn't that, that this, went right over my head. Doesn't this feel really fucking juvenile? No, it's terrible. And that went right over my head. It did. Yeah. Uh, but again, this goes back to this. Where you become a cheap knockoff of the WWE, right? Yeah, you're not we're, different. We're, you're yeah. you're you're B movie version, exactly. So, one of the one of the reasons uh, again, one of the reasons. Look at Vampiro off the top. Vampiro, Vampiro, <laughs> Vampiro. That was the funniest thing he did. That was the best thing. Yeah, that was the best thing Ed did. And uh, so, uh, Ed Ferrara is locked in the shark cage, and uh, Vampiro. And Dr. Death Steve Williams going out of here. Five minutes with Oklahoma if Vampiro wins. Wow. We should mention that um, a couple of weeks prior to this, Goldberg and The Rock meet for the first time ever uh, when both of the companies were running shows in Toronto. And they had about a 15-minute conversation in Wayne Gretzky's private box. And um, they're talking about their contracts and the future. And apparently... China earlier in the day had told the rock that Scott Hudson had been copying his catchphrases on WCW Saturday night and the rock complained to Mike Tanay about it. Do you recall hearing of the meeting or Mike Tanay mentioning that he met the rock and Scott was, uh, sort of the topic of conversation. I remember the meeting, but I don't remember anything about Scott Hudson's catchphrases. What no. did you hear about the meeting? I just heard that Tanay said, I got, I got a chance to meet the rock and what a great guy he is. Well, there you go. And that's what I remember about it. I've said, well, that's tremendous. Good for you, Mike. Now I got to take a shit. Something like that is my response. Uh, I, I really. How often do you it, shit? Well, once a day, usually. I uh, Morning or afternoon? It's usually at night. Oh, so right before bed? Yeah, right before I take a shower. Oh, okay. Uh, Sometimes so, after. Yeah, so look, you know, I, I've brought this up before, and I may have been wrong, and now that I look back on it, it was probably the wrong thing for me to do, but I didn't pay attention to any of their shit back then. I didn't. I didn't care what The Rock did. I didn't care what Stone Cold Steve Austin did. I'm I'm really getting a, a much appreciation out of it now by watching the network, you know, watching all the old stuff. But back then, I didn't give a damn, and I thought it was important for me not to give a damn. Care about your own shit, right? Wrong? I agree. I, I don't know. I mean, that's just the way I was. Maybe maybe I should have watched everything. I talked to Jr. recently. And Jr. said he used to watch the the replay of Nitro, you know, afterwards because we had a replay of Nitro, right? And they would do Raw, and we would do Nitro, and he would go back and watch the replay of Nitro. If they had a replay of Raw, do you think I would have ever watched it? No, not at all. I would go. Well, right because you didn't really give a shit. Well, I did give a shit, but I just I was I'm a different person, I, and maybe it was the wrong thing to do. Uh, Let me ask this: You know, do you listen to other podcasts since we're uh, doing like? Do you listen to JJ's podcast? No, I have. I I will listen to it to catch up on a little bit, just to see how it is. I listened to Bruce's up a couple times, but I haven't listened to one of it many, many months. One other many months. So no. Uh-uh. I thought you were going to tell me that whenever you were battling insomnia, you throw on some JJ. Well, that would be good, but I I haven't battled insomnia in a long time. Uh, you'll find out when you get my age. Uh, and now up on top, Vampiro. Vampiro! Vampiro! <laughs> and, and Dr. Death Steve Williams going at it. You know, Dr. Death was another legitimately tough son of a bitch too, man. He really was. Uh, I really like Steve Williams a lot. 
I guess we should mention that. Uh, wow. What a maneuver mm. off the top rope. Yeah. He hit him right between the mother and the fucker on that one. <laughs> he sure did. Uh, Vampiro mm-hmm. is. Uh, Here they come. Misfits. See those kids. Jerry, some Jerry only and the other misfits yeah. are getting right after Dr. Death. They are, man. Look at the bumps they're taking. These it looks kids, like they're here to summon him. <laughs> these kids are not wrestlers, man, but they coming in taking bumps and they look the part too. Don't they look like the goon squad? Look at him. Whoa. Look at that. I have a lot of respect for kids like that, man. Wow. The double clothesline, take them down. Now we're getting near the end of the match. Remember, if Vampiro wins this match, he'll get five minutes with Oklahoma or Ed Ferrara. And, oh, wow. Spin into a back leg front kick. You ever heard of that? Back leg front kick? Mm-hmm. Something else. Something else, man. And here he goes back to the attack again. The right hand side of the head. Here comes Vampire off the far ropes. Caught him in the air. Oh, he put him down. Put him down. Oh, cover him, Steve. Come on now, Steve. Let's go. Come on. Cover him. Cover him. That's what Oklahoma's saying. Cover his ass right now. And he's going to, he's going crazy on top of him. He's going nuts. He's on top of him, hitting him with rights and lefts and rights and lefts. And 60-year-old Charles Robinson is thrown away, and they're going to hammer him again. Charles Robinson goes back. He's an old man, Steve. Leave him alone. And get the fuck out of him. Yeah. yeah. And down he goes. And he's going to hammer him again inside the head. And Robinson, Charles Robinson, calls for the bell. Those punches from Dr. Death at the end were Mm -hmm. just something else. Well, he's kind of out of steam. Uh, And uh, so now... Uh, uh, now he wants to unlock this door now. Why? Because Vampiro is out. Vampiro has won the match, and that means Vampiro gets five minutes with Oklahoma, but the five minutes has started right now, and the cage is still locked. Now, I think we're getting into here, Conrad, a little bit of WCWEs here, right? Because the, the, it should be unlocked right now. It should be unlocked. Are you with me? Are you still with me here? Yeah. Okay. It should be unlocked right now, uh, but uh, they're not unlocking it. Right. So I think we fucked up our timing here. Sure. Timing was not our strong suit. Whose responsibility would that have been? Uh, well, uh, that would have been Doug Dellinger's responsibility to unlock it, but it would have been our responsibility. I mean, trucks- from a timing standpoint, who, uh, who was supposed to give a cue? Well, it would have been Craig Leathers, I guess. Uh, Craig Leathers through the backstage area. And I have a feeling what's happening now is that the backstage area is screaming at Craig, tell him to unlock it. And Craig is saying, well, I can't because he's not wired for sound. And uh, so it's just one of those things that the execution of the plan did not work out too well. He should have unlocked it and he's going to get back to the back. See, he said, tell him to lock it now. How much time have I got left? So you see right now we're this is uh this is WCW at its fucked up best right now. I mean nobody has any idea what's going on. No, not at all. So Doug Dellinger finally gets to the back and they say, Doug, would you get out there and unlock him? And Doug said, You should have told me beforehand. Okay? And that's basically what's what's going to, what's going on. Doug goes all the way to the back and then has to come all the way back out. You see. And Doug said, wait a minute now. No one told me. So there you go. So now he's unlocked. Vampiro had to sell for 48 minutes. Absolutely. 
So again, this is this is WCW being completely fucked up. So what happened in the uh, production media? They said, and then Doug will unlock the cage, and it all looked good on paper. But did anybody tell Doug to unlock the cage? No. And here comes Ed Ferrara. Uh, Ed's likable guy. Uh, Super nice guy. Yeah, you met him at uh, JR's thing last during WrestleMania week. Great guy. Couldn't be nicer. Oh yeah. Uh, really a sharp kid. Uh, was really uh, detailed oriented. I liked Ed a lot. He and uh, you know he and Vince had their problems. Had some uh, run ins or not run ins or uh, nose to nose confrontations. I guess. How about the uh, the way he's throwing the boot here to mock the Rock? Yeah, I know. Again. Uh, what are we doing? We're WWE light or WWE B team. I got to say, I did like him calling his own match. Oh yeah. That was pretty cool. Pretty cool. And now the misfits doing a great job of throwing his ass back in the ring. And now Vampiro. What was that? I have no idea. Oh, right to the dick. (laughs) Yeah, that's the way to call it there, Conrad. You were exactly right. Well, we got ourselves a slobber knocker here. Well, pick up. Oh, rock bottom, rock bottom, (laughs) rock bottom. And here come the misfits on every side. Wow. And now the ghouls. It's Halloween at Starcade. Beating the fuck out of Oklahoma. And right now the fans not really giving a shit about this. It's over. It's done. Why should they care about Oklahoma? Exactly. Exactly. He's done really nothing to get any heat. Ex- except for make fun of JR. Except for make- who's on the other show. That's exactly right. So, yeah. And he, as you can see, his, his, his wireless microphone is, oh, God. Now, that's heat if you ask me. It feels like Vince would want him to do that just to embarrass him. Yeah. Allegedly. Russo asked Mark Madden to do Nitro shirtless. Exactly. Mark wouldn't do it shirtless. And neither would I. And Scott Hudson did it shirtless, if you'll recall. It's worth mentioning. Charles Robinson has called Shawn Michaels' last match. Ric Flair's last match. Edge's last match. And Oklahoma's last match. Hmm. So there you go. How about all the empty seats? Mm. Well, uh, again, Starcade 1997 was the height, and things started to go downhill after that. They did. And you were seeing us on the downslide here. Although, again, some good things happened here. All right, now we go back to Jamie Kellner. Jamie, uh, you mean you're going to sell this library to Vince McMahon? By Barry. How about huh? fucking Parker in the yeah. back on okay. a chair with his arms crossed? Yeah, that's right. I'm going to, I don't think the, uh, I think AOL is going to last forever. Uh, and I think I'm going to sell the entire library 
to Vince McMahon. Yeah, motherfucker's crazy. Let's get the fuck out of here. There we go. All right. Uh, we're talking to Harlem Heat. Uh, and I would just like to say a couple of things to you. Uh, first of all, uh, suckers got us to know. <laughs> now, we'll go over here to uh, talk to uh, Booker T. Booker T, I, one thing I want to say is that the thing, don't hate the player, hate the game, is my catchphrase. And suckers got to know is mine. What the motherfuckers doing selling T-shirts with my fucking catchphrase? So the only thing I got to say is I'm fucking tired of it. I don't know what this bitch doing over here beside of me. Uh, what do you mean, bitch, motherfucker? Shut the fuck up. I'm bigger than you anyway. No. All right, fuck it. I'm out of here. If you want to sell your catchphrase, I'll sell mine. And Tony Schiavone and Conrad Thompson can kiss my fucking ass. I'm out of here. I'll see you later. Wait a minute. Do you think they were upset because there was no Wendy's in catering? <laughs> Could have been. I mean, I know Wendy's was over. Yeah, it sure was. Uh, okay. And that was, of course, was Harlem heat with midnight. I mean, it, it, what can it, you tell me about midnight? Well, she was a large black lady. Yeah. I mean, um, she was, she was, uh, here's she, what I kind of blocked from my memory. Pretty Jack too. I blocked from my memory that curly bill, AKA Vincent, AKA Virgil. Yeah. AKA Mike Jones, who <laughs> was out here uh-huh. for the fuck money. Right. With standards and practices. Yeah. I did not remember him. I did did not either. I've just blocked this out. Yep. I guess here he's going by Shane, which of course is a Vince Russo rib on Shane McMahon. Well, and they were gone. They were going by Jerry and Pat. How about that? How about that? So we had Jerry and Pat. Yeah. And and Shane. Shane. So you guys are definitely. Yeah. WWF light. We're not even light, man. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, suckers got to know. Yes, there, buddy. Suckers but here comes to... Booker T. Uh huh. Your former world, your, your, I guess, soon to be, soon world, to be world bro- champion. Yep. Five times, five times, yeah. five times, right. five times, five times. But I don't see Stevie and uh, suckers got to know. Yeah. Is Stevie coming out? Mm, eventually. Uh, but he won't be coming out here. But let me say this, uh, if I could, I like Booker T on WWE Raw. I think you're in the minority, but I think Booker T is I do. Uh, one of the great success stories of professional wrestling. They may they may not like what he says, but he, I like guys who are themselves. Yeah, and he, he is himself. himself. Yes, he is himself on that broadcast. Nothing wrong with that. Something I liked about uh, Booker T, too, is he's the person who first introduced me to Breathe Right Strips. Yeah. That, ooh, look. It went midnight, and there is midnight. And, and she, Tony, it looks like you went six to midnight yourself. Whoa, man, she is just she'd kick a guy's ass in a minute, buddy. Would you? How much would you pay to have her put you in a head scissor? Oh, I don't know. Uh, maybe a couple bucks. What about Klondike Bill? How much would Klondike uh, Bill have loved her? Oh God! Oh my God! <clears throat> how much would Klondike love Medusa when she walked out earlier? This everybody loved Medusa. Yeah, well, Klondike would pass away. A year. Klondike would pass away a year later, uh, and he was very sick at this time. Uh, he still ca- traveled with us at times, uh, but uh, he was having small strokes, 
and it got to the point to where when he was with us, he couldn't even talk. Not the kind of small strokes he liked either. No, no, these are small, and he couldn't even talk, and it was it was very sad, and we were always heartbroken. So I don't want to drag this down a little any further than I can. Let's take a look at standards and practices now. Uh, I don't know if this is uh, Pat or Jerry, but they're stomping away. By the way, uh, uh, this is a six-man tag match. All of a sudden, Conrad, it is a handicap match because Stevie Ray's not out. Well, Suckers got to know what's going on mm-hmm. with Stevie Ray. All right. And remember, these guys just came to the back where they talked to Jamie Kellner, who's the head of AOL, who told us that AOL would last a lifetime. It would never go down. It would be the best uh, internet uh, company ever. And he also said he was going to sell the entire uh, library of WCW to the WWE because, as Jamie Kellner always knew, that it would never make money afterwards down the road. And he would sell it. For less than Goldberg made in a year. Exactly. So, yeah. Uh, Jamie Kellner, I don't know where you are or what you're doing. May you rot in hell. Into the ropes, and there's a duck, and there goes Booker T. That's it. Don't hate the player. Hate the game. And a uh, mess of a fucking spot. We'll just arm drag out of it. Down he goes again. You know, I don't know why, but when you go, it tickles me. Does it? That's my, uh, that's my, uh, uh, sound effect for messing up a spot. Okay. Uh, we did, should... did she ever go to the? Did uh, Midnight ever go to the WWE? No, no, I don't believe so. Man, she. I don't know why she. Look at. I mean, she. The girl was. She had good, you know, good facial reactions, great arm dragging twists. Man, she was. She was freaking legit, buddy. Who would you rather get your swirl on with, Asia or Midnight? Uh, I can't answer that. I don't know. Gerald, who's Patrick? I don't know. And, um, so the, the revolution match got negative one star according okay. to the observer. Yeah. Okay. Um, that means nobody called Dave Meltzer to talk. Vampiro to and Steve Williams mm-hmm. got negative quarter star. Nobody called Dave Meltzer to talk about that match. Um, Vampiro in Oklahoma got negative quarter star. He called it horrible. Mm-hmm. Apparently he, he was right. Actually. Okay. Apparently, Steve Williams refused the job to Vampiro, so they compromised with a DQ. Okay. Do you remember that being a contested finish, or is this uh, when Meltzer you, freestyling? When you say contested finish, what do you mean? Uh, uh, I mean, they accorded. Yeah, he didn't want to do the job to Vampiro. Okay. That I knew. Okay. Yeah. It's interesting yeah. that people think wins and losses still matter. Yeah. And then a few matches before that, you had uh, 14 pounds of tits beating Evan Courageous for the belt. Yeah. You know what I have learned by doing commentary for MLW, Major League Wrestling? What's that? I've learned how much wrestling has changed in the 15 years since I've done it on many levels. Well, you just saw a motherfucker with a staple gun. The right. first time in wrestling. Right, right, yeah. Okay, but I'm talking about uh, there's nobody, and Court Bauer may be bullshitting me. As you know, he can bullshit people at times. Yes, sir. He's a bullshitter. Oh, yeah. But there's nobody in the backstage area that refuses to do jobs on MLW. Well, I don't think it matters as much as it used to. Yeah. I, maybe maybe there, we're not talking about the high money we used to. But it just seems to me that the kids these days have checked their egos at the door. Well, I think everybody gets that. Hey, man, if the show is better, then that's good for all of us. Yes. And, you know, some of the most famous wrestlers, you know, that we all know and love. Right. Wow. You know, they lost a lot of matches. That was okay. Yeah. That was a good drop. Well, yeah, Mike Jones. Get his oh. ass up. 
<laughs> he did absolutely nothing. Oh, he'll take a bump. And down she wow. Damn. She, she went over hard. She was pretty good, man. She was I don't get it. I well, Look I don't like this. seeing this. Okay. I don't know what's going on right now. Okay. I I just thought she could do a lot of stuff. Well, that did not age well, did it? Hmm. No. A couple of jacked up white skinhead dudes. Yeah. Holding a black, black chick down, yeah, beating no. her up. That no, we'll just well. move on past that, okay? And pretend that didn't happen. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, uh, I'm going to roll her in the ring. You know, uh, Vince Russo uh, tried to sell this TV show one time. Uh to uh, people out in L.A. called Bitch Slap. Are you being serious? Mm-hmm. They Tell me go, about Bitch Slap. They didn't go for it. It was just, uh, it was just like uh, women fighting. That's all it was. Cat fights. Maybe it was. How would Lois have done? Have you ever seen Lois getting a scrap? Uh, no, but sh- I'll tell you what. I give her a lot of shit on this program, but I. Whew. Is Lois pretty scrappy? You damn sure. She's tough, man. She's t- Well, I mean, she's. Look. Lois is taller than I am. She's heavier than I am. And she comes from a military family. Okay? So, so she bosses your little ass around. She's pretty tough. She really is. So I don't, you if know. If Lois I, had a finishing move, what would it be? Uh, it would be the, uh, it would be the running power bomb. Is what it would be. The running power bomb, one corner or the other. And now they got uh, midnight in. And here comes Stevie Ray. Wait a minute. Now look here. I'm going to help that Booker Tenson. Yeah, I got it. Get the fuck out of here, mother. Get the suckers got to suckers. ain't got to know shit. Get the, get the fuck out of here, motherfucker. So there you go. And that's it for Stevie Ray. I don't know why, but I really like your black guy voice. Do you? Yeah. Here, I'm going to tag you in. Let me tell you, you ain't tagging in shit. Shit. The fuck. Chris McDonald did a hilarious video the other day. Where we were covering Starcade 87 and they did the head to the dick spot. Yeah. And there was a black kid like five or six rows deep who got up and did like the Arsenio arm movement. Yeah. And <laughs> you made a comment what? about the dick spot, uh-huh. but you just did it in your black guy voice. Yeah. And it cracked me up. Okay. So. And I kind of forgot that you had a black guy voice okay. until you started talking from Booker T there. <laughs> and it got me again. So Stevie Ray, he pissed. Motherfucker. <laughs> Fuck. Shit. Oh yeah. my god! And uh, scoop slam, and a pickup, and and I, you know where I, where I got that voice? What? I had a lot of when I was in high school. I had a lot of really had a lot of black friends. I really did. Oh my god! I did. I can't believe you're being that guy right now. No, I did. I'm Ronnie Hill. Ron Hill. Now we're naming names. Y'all sure. name Ronnie Hill. I know you're not listening to me, and he's a coach in the Atlanta area football coach. <laughs> Uh, he was a quarterback for the Buffalo Gap Bison, and I was one of his best friends. And Rhonda used to say, shit. And down he goes, shit. <laughs> oh, my God. So, oh, the Harlem sidekick. Harlem sidekick. All right. Go get that motherfucker. He's down. And let's go get this other skinhead. There goes Gerald in. He goes up and down. Motherfucker, down. There. Call it. One. That was a fucking slow ass one cap. Look at Stevie Ray and Midnight going at it. Ugh. Well, don't bump her like that, Stevie Ray. What the fuck? Look at him. And we're going to miss the one, two, three. How about that, huh? I mean, miss- there's so much going on. Yeah. You don't see the shot on Booker T. You yeah. don't see the count, you know, for the one, two, three. Yeah. 
is this Vince Russo convoluted booking or is this the truck not having any idea what to shoot? That's the truck not having any idea what to shoot. And that's not even necessarily their fault. It's just poor communication with everybody. Yeah, of course. Again, for the right. second time tonight. Exactly. So he's knocked out cold, but yeah, standing right up. Yeah. And they're pointing to the video wall. Yeah. Wait, look, let's go back to Ric Flair's 30 for 30. Right. When they asked Ric Flair if wrestling was fake, he said, no, it's not fake. It's choreographed. Right. And a lot of times the choreography was just. How too- would you describe this? Uh, this was. Uh, I guess this is gold dust coming back to the fold. Is this what this is? I believe this is uh, seven, right? Seven, yes. Mm -hmm. Look at this crap I'm in, he says. Mm -hmm. Uncle Fester. Basically what this is. He's promising to make WCW a miserable hell, and he's working here instead as Dustin Rhodes, breaking out of the gimmick. Uh That, of course... Uh, was a big part of Vince Russo's WWF booking with sure. Goldust. Right. Um, and they're setting up a match here with Jeff Jarrett. Uh, and, and these guys had a little bit of a feud going. Of course, Jeff had famously, depending on who you believe, mm-hmm. held up Vince McMahon for more money before he dropped the Intercontinental title to China on pay-per-view. And now he's in, and obviously uh, a big advocate for Vince Russo, and right away, they're going to be booking him in a main event style spot. Yeah. But first, let's see the promo about what Dustin Rhodes, the king of the road, has to say. Dustin Rhodes, you're back here now. You look like the uh, the natural look. Oh, I don't want to say natural, but let me say something, Mike Janae. I'm tired of this gold dust bullshit, the seven bullshit. I'm part of the Rhodes family. That means a lot to me. You may have fired my daddy many times, but I'll tell you motherfuckers something. I'm coming after you, and I'm not going to settle until I get what I want. Now, I never was much of a talker like my daddy, but I got What the fuck? Jesus Christ, we're starting to book this match right now, Conrad. We're starting right now. Right now. Go talk, Conrad. Talk. What, what the fuck is Jeff Jarrett wearing? <laughs> hey, I don't understand. Is he those, going- are, those are looks like uh, chaps. Yeah, it looks like something Buff Bagwell wears over at <laughs> CowboysForAngels.com. But yet, Jeff Jarrett has it on. Dustin he, Rhodes is, uh, of course, the son of the plumber. The son of the son of the plumber. Yep. And uh, the bunkhouse match is a Rhodes family tradition. But uh, Dusty Rhodes, not here at the time. No, Dusty's not here at the time. Uh, and, uh, well, this is, you know, we played paid homage to dusty because this was the match he invented right the bunkhouse they said right okay and now they're using just a uh a wheelbarrow with some sticks uh, yeah and a rope he pulled the uh guitar to the side yeah wanting to make sure that uh that could be the big finish i guess what's your favorite match involving a wheelbarrow tony (laughs) i don't know but i do i do can tell you this bobby he had a great line here he says uh, we were used to seeing the Rhodes family, uh, being taken out in wheelbarrows before. I just thought that was funny. That is funny. Yeah. Uh, and I like that Dustin, in order to make this call, has to hold his feet up. Yeah. Because Dustin's like seven foot tall. Exactly. Of course I'm exaggerating, but still yeah. his feet would clearly be on the ground in this wheelbarrow. Yeah. Taking drinks from fans. Yeah. The fans love it. This is like an ECW style brawl here. Sure. 
Except no blood because you guys aren't allowed to do that. You're not at this allowed point, to do blood. Well, we're going to see blood later on. The I day. mean, at this point in the show, right? I'm sure if they're going to push their luck, they're going to push it once or twice. Right. What great facials from Jeff Jarrett there, and of course, Dustin's going back to his trim carpenter days, picking up uh, um, some crown molding mm-hmm. and a bull rope and some crown royal and a bull rope. Oh. You know what? What do you? How's Jeff doing? What can you tell me about him since he's parted he's, ways from? He's in rehab. Anthem is he? Yeah. Well, good for Jeff. With Dan Spivey. Good, good. I, you know what? I always like Jeff. Jeff's a good guy. Good guy. I mean, I'm I, pulling I, for him. He's going to be too, a great man. success story. It's yeah. it's weird that you know Jeff has uh, seemingly survived. Look at that. Yeah. Broke it right over his back. Jeff has somehow survived everything. Yeah. You know, Memphis and uh, WCW and the WWF, yeah. TNA was supposed to be out of business right. in a year. And somehow, someway, yeah. they hung on this whole time. He's a survivor of yeah. professional wrestling. It's, this sounds trite, but I'm going to say it anyway. Jeff, I'm praying for you, and I really am. And now back to the match. Oh, Dustin Rhodes pulling on the arm of Jeff Jarrett. I guess that's what he's doing. What's he trying to do here? Stick his, Jeff Jarrett's hand down these pants? Uh, no, uh, that's a Joey Ryan spot. Sorry, he's and watch he's out himself oh. up to the cowbell so no. he can't escape. Okay, the old Texas bull rope mm-hmm. style match. Yeah, with this this is the bull rope that they should have had in Starcade '90. Remember, they should have. Yeah. They had that little <laughs> T-tiny rope. <laughs> that's right. This is the type of this is the one they should have had there. Uh, but of course, we forgot the rope that night. Uh, but now we got it here, and oh no, not on the announce table! Oh my God! Well, look at me putting my legs together like I'm a little girl. Oh, my God. Get away from me. Get away from me. Get away from Scott Hudson. Somebody, if you go hit somebody, hit Heenan. He's the oldest one of us. Hit him. Don't hit me. Don't hit me. Don't hit me. Oh, he's on the table. Oh, you think he's going to fall on me, Scott? Oh, oh, thank God they're gone. I almost pissed my pants there. I don't know what to say right now. <laughs> just, I just, I was really. That, I, that look, freestyle was working for me. Well, look, look, I was freestyling, but anytime these crazy motherfuckers got over near us, Conrad, I was legitimately scared because you didn't know what they were going to fucking do, right? I mean, they could stick six Sharpies up your ass. Well, they could, but it's choreographed, okay? Suppose their choreography meant we're going to maul the fucking announcers. Who fucking knew? So it always, it always concerned me that they would do something crazy, you know? Oh, he's going to go in. He's go, what is he going to get? What the fuck is it? He, uh, it's Poundu! Poundu in the face! Oh, that's a little nod to my youngest son, Tim, who used to call it Poundu. Uh, Poundu in the face, and now he's got what? Duct tape duct, the belt. Duct tape and the belt. They're about to do porn. Oh, <laughs> oh my God, I hope not. Okay. Billy Silverman, Sarah Silverman's younger brother, saying, get the fuck out. Yeah, hit that motherfucker too, buddy. That's what I'm talking about. Hit him. Get on the corner. Get back. I'll hit you. This is the most convoluted thing ever because he starts tying up one wrist. Right. And the announcer starts saying, Dustin, what are you doing? Dustin, stop. But instead of fighting him off with the other hand, he's clinching the rope real good (laughs) so you can tape the other wrist down. Right. Like, look at this. What are you doing? What are you doing? (laughs) Who booked this shit? And then even Dustin's like, stop it. (laughs) I did think it's kind of funny that uh, Dusty is fired here. Yeah. And Dustin is wearing a Dusty Rhodes t-shirt. Yeah, the American dream. (laughs) 
And and the part that we all liked was yes, Dave in the mouth. Dave in the mouth, though. <laughs> Give him a slap. Absolutely. And now back to the match because, you know, anything goes to bunkhouse brawl. What the, what the hell does the men in stripes matter at all? Okay. Funny. I, I thought about this when I was watching a WWE event recently, Conrad. Uh, when did the WWE announcer start going to stripes? Didn't they used to have the bow tie and the powder blue shirt? Said announcers, but you mean referees? Yeah, referees. Um, when the referees go to stripes? It's been a while, probably twenty years. Okay, all right. And back out of Jamie Kellner's office, uh, here comes uh, Kurt Hennig, and he's going to go tell Jeff Jarrett that Jeff, uh, all the stuff that all this videotape that we're doing right now uh, is going to be sold to Vince McMahon. You're not going to get a dime for it. So there you go. And look, Silverman can't even try to unlock himself or untape himself with the other hand. He's just being helpless and waiting for someone else. To do, it. do you think you think Hennig was going to pull that off fast? Oh, and, that, and when they broke that stick, it flew into the crowd. Yes, it did. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, Terry uh, Funk caught it in the eye and started yelling, "My eye! My eye!" <laughs> Jeff Jarrett's trying to put us to sleep, but yeah. not with the J.J. Dillon podcast. Of course, we all know that's the most effective way to put a man to sleep. J.J. Uh, and Rich Bocchini. Okay, from that we go into this sleeper hold, which uh, looks like it's going to end the match right now. Good to see that Billy Silverman is back, back with us, had his mouth taped up, had his uh, wrist taped to the ring. It could have been worse, because sometimes when the Steiners tape up referees, they stick things up their ass. Yes, they do. Yeah, there you go. I always thought Jeff Jeff Jarrett was he was a great heel because he ran his mouth a lot. He had great facials. Uh, I had a lot of time for Jeff, man. Look here, one. Oh, two more, Conrad. Do you ever do this with Lois? See if she's asleep. Pick her arm up and drop it, and see if you can get it to drop three times. Two. Uh, yes, I did. And the only time I did it, you know what she did to me? What? She did. Uh, the dishes. No, she did that right there. She middle finger. <laughs> yes, yeah, she did. Okay. <laughs> she, did she wait till number three to do it? <laughs> yes. I no. love Lois. <laughs> Lois is a gamer. Yeah, you live with her for a week. See if you still love her. And now here to to the ropes goes Jeff Jarrett ducking down. He got the sleeper on again. Oh, trying to send him back sleep. Pick up and throws him down. Boy, Dustin Rhodes. That was a nice little throw there by Dustin Rhodes. Yeah, Dustin D- Rhodes had a lot of power. Yeah, Dustin was a good worker, man. He was a good worker. That's why I I don't know. It's interesting to me that Dustin has been one of the guys on the show here who would go on to have the longest career. You know, I don't think a lot of people, when they saw this, you know, would have assumed that he would have been the one to necessarily uh, have this long of a run, but he's been... Very, very successful with the WWE. Yes, he has. Uh, say what you want about the Gold Dust character. I've, I've never really liked it. I, I knew what it was about. Uh, and here's the pickup. Oh! And one. How and- smart was Dustin in a spot like that? Instead of covering the other way, jumps over to where it's easy for Kurt to pull him out. Yeah. I mean, he knows exactly where to be and when to be there. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's aptitude for the business. Some people have it and some people don't. And you're seeing three kids who do. Right now, because they're all second-generation guys that grew up in the business. It's worth mentioning. Yeah, all of them are. And, of course, we know Sarah Silverman, second-generation comedian. Right, exactly. Boy, is she ever. And uh, right hand to the side of the head. Have you seen her Netflix special? No, I actually <laughs> like comedy. Okay. <laughs> and 
It was a funny opening scene to it, though, as far as I I'll got. never know. Okay. So he's going to kick him in the ding-dong <laughs> okay. here. Okay. Yes, sir. Why not? He can because anything goes in bunkhouse rules. Yeah. See you later, Kurt Hedig. Nut time. Bing, 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 bing. Down he goes. Karen Jarrett's going to be one disappointed lady. One, not for long. Uh, two count. And uh, watch out. Hennig. Snap Mary, man. Yeah, he'll take them both on. He didn't give a shit. Over the leg over there. Right? And I'm going to put the leg over here. And that means you're getting ready to get a nut shot, too. Ding, dog shot. <laughs> uh, here we go. And fuck you, motherfucker. Here I come. I'm going to grab my nuts and... Oh, back elbow. And right now, this match kind of broken down a little bit, as you probably have imagined. Over the top goes Dustin. (sighs) Haven't we had enough of this match so far? It's been a long match. Yeah, it's been a long match. It's been a decent match. What did did Meltzer give it? You want to guess? Yeah, uh, he gave it two and a quarter stars. I think you're going to be pleasantly surprised here. He gave it two and a half. Wow, I was close. I was close. Remember, four stars and over, they called Dave Meltzer. That's, you, um, that's the rule of thumb there. You saw, the last time you saw Dustin, you know, mm-hmm. we've covered this before, was the uh, King of the Road match with yeah. he and the Blacktop Bully. And right. now he's back in WCW after a very successful run as Goldust yeah. on the other show. Sure. Did you notice any difference in him personally before and after his WWF run? Yeah. I, I, I did notice something about him. He seemed... It seemed like, okay, I think simply put it this way. When he left us, he was a young kid. When he came back, he was a man. Does that make sense to you? Yeah. He seemed more of a, he seemed like Dusty's son back then, just another kid. And when he came back, he seemed like his own man to me. And How about this right here? Yeah. <laughs> Clink. Wow. And that's it. One, two, three. The guitar trumps all. Yeah, baby. See, see, Jarrett was, man, Jarrett was a good heel. Great heel. I hope he can make, make a comeback in this business. I really I do. think everybody does. Yeah. Jarrett's another guy who sort of bounced around. He was in WCW, uh, came from the WWF, went to WCW, went back to the WWF, then came back a few months before this. Um, did you notice a difference in Jarrett before and after that WWF run? No, I was the same. <laughs> My daddy's penis is as big as this. <laughs> it's got the same sort of end on it. <laughs> oh, oh, I get kissed. Oh, mm. Ooh. wow. Take a look at the girl on the left. I'm in love with her. Yeah, that's what I talk. Whoa. Into her tits. Oh, you <laughs> yikes. What's she doing now? Kimberly Bacon? Yeah. Uh, you know, that's a great question. I'm not exactly sure. I know she's still really tight with Diddy P. I know, you know, he's, yeah. of course, remarried a wonderful right. lady named Brenda, and, and they're very successful with their DDP yoga enterprises. But yeah. uh, I'm not exactly sure what she's doing for a living, but yeah. I can't wait to hear what DDP has to say here. Diamond Dallas Page, you've got a match coming up a crowbar on a pole match. Which is not unlike Judy Bagwell on the pole match. She's a, and you have to, let me say this, Gene. I've fucked Kimberly many times. Oh <laughs> and I like to say that if that little motherfucker thinks he's gonna fuck her, 
He wrong. He can beat me up all he wants with the crowbar, but you're not going to get any of that. You know what I'm saying, bro? Because she's my woman, and you nothing but a little motherfucking psycho. I'm going to take that crowbar, stick it up his ass, Sheen. That's what I'm going to do. No pussy for you, brother. That's what I say. Later. Well, wait a minute. I got some shit on my hands here. What is that? Oh, okay. As you can see, it's chocolate pie from Gatoring. Bang. Okay. Oh, I've got some shit on my hands. What is that? It's the line of the night. It sounded something like that. I don't know. I mean, that's pretty close to what he said. Yeah, it's pretty close. You think we... Let's talk about David Flair. We haven't spent a lot of time talking about him on the show here, but one of my favorite kids of all time. It's not only because his dad is one of my favorites, but I always liked David Flair. I thought David was put into a very unenviable position. No doubt. Yes. I mean, the pressure, I mean, the, nothing you do is going to be good enough. No. It's going to live up to the hype. I mean, no, it's just, uh, what an unenviable position he was put in here. And you know, with no real experience, he's just thrown into wrestling matches on TV on high profile spots right. with no real training. And, None. um, he's making a lot of money, right? Which is based on his position, not because someone gifted him the deal. I mean, it was not his idea and he's just sort of thrown in here. Winds up hooking up with Stacy Keebler. Yeah. That's a good little run. There he is. Yeah, there he is. And he had some angles with Stacy Keebler and uh, Kimberly Page. So that's not bad to have those angles, right? No. Mm. We should mention mm. that uh, I guess I'm going to give everybody a peek behind the curtain. Okay. The thing that is the most over in the history of the show that we've been doing now for nearly a year, it's not even close, is what, Tony? What? you with the, Our show, you and me? Yes. What's the most over thing we've done? Uh, I don't know. What is it? What the fuck am I talking about? What well, is- well, think about the t-shirts we sell. What's the most over thing we do? Oh, okay. It's Tommy Young. Tommy Young. Okay. The t-shirts. I understand. Okay. I no, thought, I'm just saying that's our you- most requested thing. Yes. Right. It's the thing people talk about the most on social media. Right. It's our number one t-shirt seller by a mile. Is right. that right? So that's far? right. Okay. It stole the, the happy birthday video from you. <laughs> yes. We owe all of that. To David Flair. To David Flair. We haven't revealed that, but the person that I said on the show, a good friend of the show, told mm-hmm. me this story. It was actually David Flair. David Flair told it because this was back when David Flair was just kind of a young kid hanging out in the back with the wrestlers, right? And imagine okay. when you're a young kid, you're 19, 20 years old. Right. And the barbarian <laughs> makes that joke. Right. <laughs> when Tommy comes to visit. Right. <laughs> You have got to be fucking yeah. spooked. <laughs> exactly. And therefore, we sent David Flair a Tommy Young t-shirt. <laughs> we did. Yes, we did. And he also has a flair hit at first shirt. <laughs> yes, he does. <laughs> In honor of us yeah. talking about the George Clooney <laughs> yeah, business. Right. Well, look, we, we, say that we, we say that we have a lot of affection for David Flair. We both do. Great guy. Great guy. And, you know, he, to his credit, he was... And he's Ric Flair's son. I get it. Uh, But he put everything into this. And he came along at maybe the wrong time for him because he came along when Vince Russo was booking. And so they went to the crazy stuff. Right. uh, Instead of trying to make him a legitimate wrestler. 
and he has a good sense of humor about it. Of course, of course he does. Not in wrestling anymore, and doesn't do anything with wrestling. It has a real life and very successful business, and an awesome family, and blah blah blah. But uh, he's kind of joked. Yeah. I did wrestling in reverse <laughs> instead yeah. of starting out in the national guard armories and working my way up the TV. I right. started on TV, went to pay-per-view right. And then, then to the national guard armory. Right. So let me ask you this. You may know this better than I do. After our run was done. Uh, what did David do? Did he go on to wrestle longer or did he call it quits after that? Or? No, no. Yeah. He, uh, one, two, a, and a reversal one, two, he tried his hand in the WWF uh-huh. and did some developmental with them. And uh-huh. it didn't really work out. Yeah, he tried to run in Puerto Rico. He did some indies. Okay. Uh, he tried his hand at it for a few years, and then eventually it was like, eh, I think I'm just going to yeah. well, do the uh, real life. Uh, again, after 2001 as, as a shoot, and fans should know this is a shoot with me. After 2001, I completely lost touch with wrestling, so I didn't know what anybody did. Right. So, uh it was a, a new world to me coming back into this. Thank you very much, Conrad, as we're getting ready to come into our first year of this. I'm having fun with it, and I think all the fans are really digging. Yeah, we're having um, a good time. But you're uh, back into it. Yeah, well, you got me back into doing commentary, you son of a bitch. And whip into the rope, and here comes Diamond. Oh, a foot to the face, and down he goes. Not a bad clothesline at all from the kid. DDP did a great job of bumping and taking it, got a two count, and got out of it. Remember, if you can go up and you can get the... Stop pulling at your hair, kid. If you can go up and you can get the uh, crowbar, you can use it. And that's not the wrestler crowbar. That is the crowbar hanging on the... Oh, wow. That is called the discus lariat. I like it. Mm -hmm. Of course, little Nate in here, great friend of the show. He thinks our shows are too long, by the way. Does he? Would you have a message for Charles Robinson? Yeah, Charles. Yeah, go fuck yourself. Okay. Uh you know, sometimes I think our shows are too long, too, sometimes. Well, boy, Starcade 91 was about two and a half hours too long. <laughs> so how does Charles Robinson know the show is too long unless he listens to the entire three hours of it? Well, I think he sees that the download time is okay. three hours, and he gets intimidated. All right, yeah. Because he's used to refereeing four-minute matches uh-huh. on TV. Can I also bring up this uh, as we're talking about time? Yeah. I've had a lot of feedback. Not a lot of feedback. I've had a, a, an amount of feedback that says that and you and I have gone to this format where we watch a show and we want you to go on the uh, network with us, right? Right, and right, watch it. right. There's a lot of guys who listen to our podcast while driving, you know, guys, yeah, sure. UPS drivers or guys who have long drives. And we appreciate all of you. And they say it, uh, it loses something for them if they're doing it on the drive. So maybe. Well, watch know. it when you get home. Yeah. Feels like that's Do it again. Download it again. You know, here's the deal. Uh, okay. If you're curious why we do this format, I encourage yeah. you to go listen to the Steve Austin and WCW episode, mm-hmm. and all the answers you've been looking for will be revealed. <laughs> it's the worst show we've ever done, and we just did Starcade 91. Oh, boy. Ow. You know, I feel bad for David yeah. because he's in a bad spot there where he had to take the diamond cutter, couldn't yeah. take it very gracefully, yeah, and then had to throw it. And the, the crowbar th- <laughs> falls back into his own hand accidentally, and he has to get it off of there. So it doesn't look like he's about to hit him. Right. You know, this is an interesting match for DDP because it feels like DDP would have appreciated having an angle, but this is not where you expect a caliber star of DDP to be at this point. Of course, he won the world title just a few months prior to this in uh, April for the very first time, and he's world champ. And now. Eight months later, he's at Starcade, where a lot of people probably thought 
he would have a more high profile match and instead he's with a very green David Flair. Do you think that DDP may have hoped for a different match for such a high profile pay-per-view? Uh, there may have been and enter Daphne. I believe this is the debut for Daphne. This is, is Daphne's debut. This and, is Daphne's debut. This was going to be a fun little run. Right. For Daphne and mm -hmm. David Flair. I enjoyed that and and you guys started referring to her as that girl from Peoria. Yeah. Now I, I believe that Terry Taylor was sweet on Daphne. Do you have any intel on that? I, d I don't. I don't have any intel on that. But I love Daphne. I think he did too. Man, I. You think he did too? Yeah. Okay. Is that a secret? Yeah. Well, I don't know if that. She probably wouldn't have been the first. Uh, but Daphne, you know, shrieking and screaming and had those crazy facials. Uh. See, look at her. Watch her when she... No, she was very good. Yeah, she was very good. Now watch. She's got to give us another one of those maniacal looks and laughs or whatever. Come on, Daphne. Give it to us. a girl. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, she's baby. She's a great actress. Oh, I loved her. I great absolutely loved her. Yes. Yeah. So uh, that began the run with Daphne. Wow. <laughs> My... There's a lot going on on this pay-per-view so far. Yeah, there is. Who's that good-looking girl behind me? That's a great question. She was a comp ticket, though. I'll tell you that. Uh, hello, sweetheart. Oh, I don't know. She's actually on TV. Okay. okay. Uh, Any I chance that lady listens to the podcast? No. Yeah. Uh, that fucking guy probably doesn't. Uh, uh, by, by the way, uh, for those of you who uh, get our T-shirt at LoisRules.com, a lot of times if a female name is on there, I'm very, very uh, cautious about my phone call to you. Uh, why, why is that? Because they listen to the show. No, they don't. No, very well, rarely. Some of them. percent of them. Work. Yeah. Okay. Very rarely. There's a. We're looking at a video now of Luger. This is. Uh, I'm going to be very honest with you. This is a very difficult match for us to do. Why? Because of what? How that relationship ended, and how her life ended. I just. Uh, I'm going to be doing this and talking about it, but I'm also going to be thinking about what a wonderful person Liz was. And how that horribly ended. Yeah. And so that's why it's difficult for me to do. So just to let you know, it's as difficult for me to do as doing a Chris Benoit match. Tragic endings all but, around. You're going to get to do both of them. Yeah, you? I know. Are how about excited? that? No, no, not really. But we, we'll, we'll make through it. We'll, we'll, we'll talk around it. Isn't it easy to see when there's been Russo booking when you've got so many props in the wrestling, yeah. you know, where it's a shark cage, it's a lead pipe, it's a, there's, it's a crowbar. We had a mud wrestling thing. Do you see that? Yeah. With the, yeah. So much. Right. That's just, you know, and, and it makes me wonder like, where were all the mud wrestling pits and crowbars and, uh, guitars and all that during the Jim Crockett day? Yeah. When Johnny Valentine wrestled Wahoo McDaniel. Yeah. I mean, yeah. why did they not do it right with a wheelbarrow? Yeah. I don't know. I, and when you have that many props, what happens? Your None of them matter. No, no, nothing matters. But your prop budget goes up, sure. or the number of money, the amount of money you spend on props, and therefore that's why you continue to lose money. By the way, is this the best Lex Luger ever looked? Uh, I, I don't think, know. I think you could argue this might be the best because he is. If it feels like at least bigger than ever. Yeah. When he takes his, uh, we'll. Uh, Revisit this when he takes his top off here because uh, I don't know why, but you saying takes his top off really weirds me out. It shouldn't. That's what he's going to do. Well, but I'm, I, I'm, I would call it a shirt. I'm, I think I'm, women wear tops and okay. men wear shirts. Okay, so when he takes his shirt off here, we'll. Thank you. I see what you're saying. 
<laughs> is a shirt not a top? Well, listen, okay. that's right. that's for you and Tom to figure out. Oh wow! Back we go to the Tom Zink. Here we go. Shirt. His top's off. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty spectacular, isn't it? There's an idiot with a laser thing in the ring. Too. I, whoever you know, those guys with the laser pointers. You know, I would have loved. That's ridiculous. I would have. Lo- yeah, it is, isn't it? I will if. If you're listening to our podcast and you were one of those idiots with a laser pointer, DM me because I'd love to come to your house, find you, and stick it right up your ass. How about six of them at the same time, Rex Steiner style? Mm, yes, sir. Hey, that's what we're going to start calling it. Whenever people stick six things up your ass at the same time mm-hmm. against your will, we're going to call it <laughs> Steinerized. <laughs> I think we should make that a shirt, actually. Steinerized. We'll, we'll, we'll like get six Sharpies, Yeah, and then we'll put like a rubber band around them, put that right. on a shirt. And then around it say Steiner eyes. So is uh, is Liz doing self tanner or spray tanning? Yeah, uh, they're probably spray tanning at this point. Now she comes to come in with her mace. Sting says, "Use my mace. It's the good stuff." So it's the super octane, the super stuff. octane stuff. So Sting's going to come in here, uh, giving Liv. Of course, she has used the uh, used the mace, uh, and now they come to the ring, and this is for the honor of Liz. And by the way, his can of mace just happened to be wrapped in black electrical tape. Man, they are loving her, are they not? Mm-hmm. They're getting this blonde chick behind you on camera as many times as they wow, can. she's gorgeous. She, I feel like somebody in the production truck gave her comp tickets. I feel like somebody knows her. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And they're trying to get her on TV for a little... <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> I know you don't know what that means, but it's... I don't know when what... When a man loves a woman. Okay. I, just... <laughs> I know what... I know what... I know what... <laughs> Shwing is, but I don't know what is. Okay, here's Sting with. Oh, sorry, Sting with Miss Elizabeth is coming to the ring. Okay, that's the baseball bat. I want you to knock him in the nuts with it. Okay, yes, I will. All right. How about the multicolored scorpion on his jacket? Yeah, uh, this is again. This is my favorite Sting. Well, I think the favorite Sting should be like the Sting from Two Starcades before. Okay. It feels uh, like by this point, Sting has uh, right. You, you, he's lost a step. Right, you're, you're talking hey, about the mysterious. His Sting, yeah. I mean, Sting has cooled off. Yeah, of course he has. Look, that Star K ninety seven in this building went a lot. Of, went uh, took a lot of shit out of us. Don't you think? Yeah, and there mostly goes. just the finish. Yeah, well, but, yeah, and that finish hurt us. Well, and that's what I'm saying. I find it interesting that. You know, what's that old expression? If you fail to learn from mistakes of the past, yeah. you're doomed to repeat them. Yep. And it feels like you guys are sort of doing that here yeah. in that we're going to have a, a sort of fuck finish in the main event at the same big pay-per-view at the same building with the yeah. same fans. Yeah. And, and when you come back to these places and you don't draw worth the shit and everybody's looking around like, well, why? Yeah. It feels like, well, fuck, how is he this? I could have I could have saved WCW in three steps. Lose weight. Tell Lash LaRue <laughs> to lose weight. No. no. What else? I could have saved WCW in three steps. Okay. Okay. Number one, never demote Eric Bischoff. Well, yeah. No, it's number one. Number two, have Eric Bischoff trust the right people. If we would never demoted Eric Bischoff, we would have never had Bill Bush run the company. And have Eric Bischoff trust the right people. And number three. Never sell to AOL. That would have saved WCW. Three steps. Three step. Eric should have never been demoted. And things were going badly you, at that you, time. You couldn't prevent the sale to AOL, though. Yeah. 
That was out of all wrestling's hands. It could if we would have Snyderized Jamie Kellner. One, two. If you know where we can reach Jamie Kellner, DM the contact information to at Tony Schiavone 24. We would love to break our rules, have him on as a guest. Yeah. Uh, And specifically, we will invite him to the Conradison, fly him in first class. Fly him in first class. And then have the Steiner brothers here with Mm -hmm. a bowl full of Sharpies. Mm -hmm. And we'll just let nature take its course. Well, and we should. And uh, listen, Jamie Kellner, I know where he is. He's in the dumbass ward of some hospital. Okay. I can't I can't believe he's still got a job. I mean, look, yeah, is Shivani bitter? Well, of course there's a part of me that's bitter, but he gave away all this shit. And we're watching it right now on the network. We're watching it. Somebody's getting paid for this stuff. Jeez, how stupid can he be? Well, Liz's smacking a punch there, isn't she? Yeah, Liz is smacking the shit out of the Yes, yeah, she dirt. is. Very good. And and Sting's dropkick light as a feather. Yeah. There you go. All right. Sting and Luger. We saw Sting and Luger. Ooh, each with a lariat or a clothesline at the same time as Johnny Boone, the referee. Haven't talked much about Johnny. Would you argue that Flair made both of these guys? Oh, I agree. If you had to pick one, which one do you think had the better career? Sting did. Watch out. Of course, we know what's coming here. Yep. That's the Vince Russo show. Uh Uh-huh. It's the mace. Hi, Liz. Oh, he put silly string. He gave her the the can with silly string. And hypothetically, if it was mace, uh-huh. was she going to spray him in the chest with it? <laughs> when you've yeah. been shot in the chest with yeah. mace by yeah. Medusa, how bad did it hurt? Ooh, uh, I just I just smiled like he smiled right there. Okay, now get out of here. Now don't turn you. Yeah, keep him down. You see, what's different is normally it's it's Luger throwing his silly string at Liz. Mm. I won't respond to that. Into the midsection, and here we go into the ropes. Down goes Luger. And again, now, okay, the, the fact is is that Liz is still at ringside, which kind of bothered me here uh, as this match is going on. Why it's, was she allowed to just climb in the ring in the middle uh, of the match with both guys down? Why did the ref allow that? I don't know. Well, it's because of Johnny Boone. He doesn't know what the fuck he's doing, I guess. Is he wearing an earring? Yes, he is. Wow. Johnny Boone always wore the earring. And uh, Johnny Boone have a, a glove on his right hand? Uh, it looks like it's a brace, you know, like one of those um, braces for uh, carpal tunnel. Pounding them out, too. Mm, it could have been. Yeah, absolutely. Sting the stinger splash! Stinger splash! Stinger splash! Here it goes again! Oh, all the way across the ring! Here it comes! Sting! Oh. Now, okay, if Liz tried to mace him beforehand, all right? I mean, this is one that you could see coming all the way down the Mississippi. Am I sure, right? Sure, sure. Yeah. And here she comes in again. Sting knowing that she's coming in with the bat. All right. So, in... If you're looking at this logically, okay, he should take the bat and throw it away. Yeah. But he didn't, which led to the finish. And she's embarrassed again. And, of course, you're thinking that Luger is going to come up, but put it down. That's right. That's stupid. Okay. Of course, she's going to pick it up again and whack him in the chin. And by with. the way, it was a loud pop when she hit him with it. Mm-hmm. Not from the crowd. I mean, they did respond. Right. But the thud that hit him right made a very audible noise it sounded super legit even though of course we know it's, it's a, wrestling yeah but it's rubber bat right it's what it is and that's why i made a loud pop 
and now they're going to try to break his hand. So, which, I, by the way, I thought was very well done. Yeah, mm-hmm. they put his hand in here, and he wiggles it into position. Yeah, but then they do a really great job. I feel like of stomping the chair, and and Sting sells it great, like he's unconscious. Right. So there's no traditional wrestling selling. Right, he's just a lifeless corpse as they just pound on it. Very well done. Yeah. What it was. Yeah, it really was. So now he's calling for the bat again. And oh my God, he's going to try to break it again. What's he trying to see? He's hitting the, it's, it's a gimmick bat, Lex. You don't hit it, have to hit him like that. That's what I'm well, he's trying to take care of his buddy. And I, and I can't be mad at that. Yeah. It's a rubber because bat though. Lay it in for Christ. She did. Well, you say that, but we don't know if she really hit him hard for real though. Uh-huh. I know it's a rubber bat, but it, I mean, she was swinging for real. Uh-huh. We should do that at our next live show. Uh-huh. We'll have a rubber bat, and for twenty dollars, people get to hit Tony Schiavone wide open in the face. Wow! Don't it's, a, off, it's, it's a rubber bat. Don't offer that to Lois Schiavone. Well, Please. the deal is we're trying to pay for her fucking wedding. You know what <laughs> I mean? By the way, someone asked the other day, um, after the wedding is over, are you guys still going to do the podcast? And I said, yes. Divorces are very expensive. <laughs> I'm not divorcing that lady. She has nowhere to go. Bless her heart. Uh, and they're going to help Sting out. Going to get Chris Schiavone divorced? Uh, no, Danny Young, our uh, trainer, related to Tommy. Uh, no. Oh, let me just freestyle. Danny the, Young, uh, come get this guy. That our referee here. What'd you say his name was? Daniel Boone. Johnny Boone. Johnny Boone. Mm-hmm. Uh, Johnny Boone owns turntables. I can tell from looking. Yeah, Johnny. He's an amateur DJ. Uh, Johnny uh, married uh, Michelle Bayens who was the production assistant for me and uh, our crew uh, that did WCW Saturday night. Um, Well, he knows where the ecstasy in DC is (laughs) and he's got some turntables. I'm just telling you. All right. All right. It's time for the power bomb match. You ready? Well, let's do some more convoluted bullshit. All right. Uh, We've done so many gimmicks so far, but this is one of my favorites. When Kevin Nash dressed up like Sid, uh, this makeup and the prosthetic chin, yeah. How ridiculous is some of this? Yeah, it's it's crazy stuff, but it's all Kevin Nash silly stuff, okay? He was so cool and funny and and uh, I loved his stuff, man. Just, I loved when Sid came out and said, "I have half you're half the man that I am and I have half the brain that you do." <laughs> That's right. Is the great. And he was right. Uh and this was uh, you know, two of the biggest men in WCW going and the only way to win it is with a power bomb one's going to power bomb him to the center of the earth the other going to power bomb him straight to hell isn't it interesting the tale of these two guys careers and that it almost feels like sid is a victim of bad timing a lot of times um or poor decision making whatever it may be but kevin nash was seemingly always in the right place at the right time yeah he knew that he understood the temperature of the business better than maybe anyone except Paul Hogan. Sure did. Shrewd is what you would say. Yeah. And of course, when Sid was wanting to play softball, you know, Kevin Nash was probably wanting to make money in wrestling. That's another way to yeah, say Yeah, that's it. the thing. You know, Kevin Nash gets a lot of criticism. And this is one of the first times we're going to call a Kevin Nash singles match here on the podcast. But uh, a lot of fans say that he has like five moves of doom. And so he's got like a handful of moves. And, uh, they say the same thing about John Cena, but the, the gist is Kevin Nash knows five or six or seven wrestling moves. And Jim Cornette's always sort of echoed that too. 
that if you really count, you can't come up with more than just a handful of moves, but Kevin Nash would retort and say, uh, I made more money with five moves than anybody in the history. Right. Right. Look, how many, how many great professional wrestlers can you name now? How many mediocre professional wrestlers can you name many more? Then you can great professional wrestlers. Not everybody can be a Ric Flair or a Chris Benoit or a uh, Ricky Steamboat. Ricky Steamboat. Terry Funk. Terry yeah. Funk. Yeah. There are many more wrestlers who have less moves and less ability than those guys. Sure. You can't compare everybody to them. It's, 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 it's just, it's just stupid. It's, you know, so there are people out there on the internet who think they know it fucking all. And one of them, you read all of his, uh, his observer all the time. And there's people like me that realize that I don't fucking know it all. I never knew it all. And I appreciate guys who could work and who couldn't work that well, because it's not always about the work. A lot of times it's about the angle. Isn't it interesting when we're talking about Starcade here, just how much the business has changed. You know, you go back to Starcade 91, which we covered last week. And in eight years, Kevin Nash was advertised to be there as Oz. And here he's one of the most over guys in the entire industry. Sid, of course, you go back to Starcade 90 and he's there with Dan Spivey wrestling the Motor City Madman and the Big Cat and a tag match. It was just sort of a throwaway. And in the meantime, both of these guys were WWF world champions. Right. I mean, they really accomplished a lot. Yes, they did. And, you know, Sid would go on to main event WrestleManias. Kevin Nash's main event WrestleManias. Kevin Nash here is one of the highest paid performers in all of the industry, making as much or more money than almost anyone in the business before. It really is incredible what these guys were able to accomplish in a relatively short amount of time. Yes. And not being the great, wonderful workers that we all tip our hats to, you know? Uh, so yeah, absolutely. I mean, Sid here, believe it or not, main evented two WrestleMania. Uh huh. How about that? You know, I mean, and I also want to point out that when they were making their entrance, I felt like Sid has aged much more than Kevin Nash now or uh, right then, right then. Okay. And now, yeah, well now I, he has for sure. I feel like Sid from yeah. 97 versus Sid from 99, Yeah, two different Sids, but yes. certainly now Kevin Nash looks like he could step in and go today. Sure. He does. Well, he's fresh off knee surgery. Give him a six months, but still, he still looks like a bodybuilder. Yeah, he sure does. Uh, and of course he's got the short gray hair now, but and we've seen Sid, I've seen some of the things that Sid had done online and he has really aged a great deal. So everybody their own, everybody differently. You know? The, uh, the spot in the corner there with Kevin Nash just a moment ago, that was some of the worst selling I've ever seen mm. from Sid. When yeah. I watched it this past week, uh, prepping for our show, I was sort of aghast at how poorly Sid was selling that. Mm. And I know that Sid has sort of been a controversial figure in the business. Sid's bleeding there from the back. Yeah, he is. Uh, and the gist of this m match, of course, it's a powerbomb match. Right. So the first person to hit the powerbomb wins the match. You don't have to actually pin anybody. And this is very much a Vince Russo style stipulation, is it not? It's a Vince Russo style stipulation that is going to end up with a shitty finish. You know, and that's the criticism that Vince gets all the time is, is he accurately, and he knows this to be true. Wrestling fans want to be surprised and the element of surprise is what fans are looking for. And all the research, uh, that Eric Bischoff did for the very first nitro with his media groups and, and focus groups led him to believe that what people wanted was an air of unpredictability. And, and of course, that's the reason 
Nitro was live. You can hear more about all of that focus group talk on our uh, very first Nitro uh, episode available now in the archives. Uh, and you're going to love the pasta mania story. Anyway, <laughs> um, Vince Russo really took that to heart because he believed that too. And so he kind of became known for what wrestling fans call the swerve. Right. And I guess my point has always been, and a lot of people agree with this. If everything's a swerve, then nothing's a swerve. If you expect the swerve, then the swerve is the normal and you don't expect the swerve becomes to just do it right. Right. And it feels like we've seen lots of swerves so far tonight and we're not done yet. Yeah. And, but you can swerve people, but you still got to have them finish up at a good spot. Yeah, that's right? exactly right. It's not necessarily what happens in the moment, but right. where are you going tomorrow? Exactly. Or where are you going three months from I, now? Look, have you watched, let me ask you this, and I know you don't like uh, comic books and <clears throat> shit like that. Do you, have you watched uh, Netflix, The Punisher? Uh, Ric Flair made me watch the last scene. Okay. So I've seen, well, I guess the entire last episode. Yeah. So I'll watch the whole thing eventually. Yeah. But when I was over for Thanksgiving, he was yeah. so excited to show me the well, last he, scene. He's, he's right. The ass beating. Yeah. So it, it was a hell of an ass beating. Oh my God. <laughs> it was, uh, and here's the deal. It had swerves all throughout it. Right. But you finished up with that high spot you saw. You sure. See? Oh my you, so you, so you end up the season saying, what the fuck? That was great. Yeah. So you can swerve them all the way up to the end. But you've got to have the end in mind. Exactly. And it feels like a lot of times the booking here was, was ready, shoot, aim. Exactly. And that's sort of a shame because you've got two really, really over characters here. And it doesn't feel like the crowd is as into it as they could be because you go back even to like Halloween having 1990 Sid understood how to just turn his head to the left and turn his head to the right and look at the crowd and they go bananas. And he understood sort of how to have rough. them in the palm of his hand. And of course, Kevin Nash, you know, cooler than the other side of the pillow. Right. Interesting move here. Rep bump. And he's got him up for the power bomb. He should win it. Right. Well, but I'm saying that looked disastrous for a minute and Kevin Nash was clearly worried. But yeah. Sid Vicious is a man and a half yeah, to muscle. be able to hold it and just muscle him through that. Right. Of course, in comes Jarrett. A little help from my friends for Kevin Nash. Yeah. And it exploded, of course. Now he's got to get rid of the evidence. Uh, and uh, so here, here's what I didn't understand about the finish. Okay. I, I get it. Now Sid is out. Uh, Kevin Nash, get up, Kevin, get up. Uh, make sure you get all the guitar out and get the fuck out of there as well. And here's what I didn't understand how they could call this the finish. Did the referee see, uh, and I know I'm getting ahead of myself here. Did the referee see a power bomb here? No, no, how, he did how not. Would he have seen it? How would he have seen a power bomb? Right. But he's going to give the win to Kevin Nash. So again, what the referee's a heel. No, Kevin Nash is a heel. Okay, I understand. Well, it's sort of like we talked about last week on Starcade 91 when tag team partners just clap hands instead of actually tagging Yeah, because you're a heel. So it's sort of the same thing. He heard the power bomb. He heard someone He heard fall. the power bomb. It could have been a bump. I mean, it could have been a back body drop. You see, to me, that the, the, well, yeah, the, that's the beauty of it. The ref still allows the blind tag if he didn't see it because he heard it yeah but that's a tag and this is a finish of a match it's fucking wrestling 
to me, there's got to be some logic in it here. And this was this was shit. nothing about this. Now, show to me, if the referee would have turned right here and he would have power bombed his dead ass and won it, that would have been to me. You understand? Sure. That would have been right. But I think it's even more heat to not do it. <laughs> I would argue. Well, I hate the finish, by the way. It yeah. should be a TV match. It shouldn't. Yeah. This should not be the payoff for your biggest pay-per-view of the year. Right. I heard a power bomb. Yeah, I did, but I didn't see it. You're going to win. I, I just, you know, he should have picked him up and power bombed his ass. And it was, no, he, he didn't win it. He got hit with the guitar. That's why he power bombed him. That that would have worked to, with me, but anyway, that's just that's this just a us. Swerve. It's a oh, it's an ever. That's just us again, armchair booking like we like to do. I actually like it though. Yeah, I just wish it was TV, not pay per view. Okay. Did you ever see? I know you never watched, but on the WWF, Eddie Guerrero would sometimes get in the ring with a chair when the referee had just taken a bump, and then he would take the chair and throw it to his opponent, and the opponent would catch the chair, and then Eddie would fall down. <laughs> so the ref would turn around uh-huh. and the ref would see the opponent holding the chair and Eddie laying down. And then Eddie would win the match by the EQ. Yeah. Very cool. That's pretty smart. Yeah, that is smart. I'm not going to talk. Over no. This one. Why would we? Yeah. I don't want to. There's nothing cute. I can say about this, uh, because of who it is. And, uh, but I do want to say this, we are getting near the last two matches on this pay-per-view on this, uh, podcast. Doesn't it seem to have gone a lot faster than last week? Well, because there's actually fucking angles or something (laughs) to talk about. You know, I I never had a chance to go see a Starcade live. And I really wish that I would have had an opportunity to see a Starcade live because if I had one, well, I would have used the SeatGeek app. Yeah, the SeatGeek app, as we talked about earlier, is the way to do it. And if you uh, download the SeatGeek app for free, for free, and Enter the promo code What Happened. That's W H A T H A P P E N D. Uh, then you'll get twenty percent off your first purchase. Twenty dollars off, uh, I mean. uh, and that's a lot of money. You're talking $20 about twenty dollars off. off your single purchase, All right. Just from downloading the free SeatGeek app, and we should also mention that uh, the app is free and the prices are ridiculous. And here's why. They compile all the ticket sites to show you the best offerings from everywhere. So instead of saying, I got to go to this site, I got to go to this site, I got to go to this site, and then I'll compare all three. Don't do that. Download the SeatGeek app. They're going to do all the heavy lifting for you, find you the best deals, and they even give you a score. Right, Tony? They give you a score. Absolutely. I've loaded the SeatGeek app on my phone. It's how I got lowest tickets to go to the Rose Bowl. What I love about it, it's quick, it's safe. It's easy, and you punch. You say, I want these seats. You punch. Guess what they're going to show you? What it looks like from your seat. That's pretty cool. So you get like a virtual shot of Uh, what your view is going to look like. Yeah. And to make sure you get the best value for your budget, uh, that scoring model thing they're doing is just outstanding. I mean, they really do make it easy, and uh, we can't recommend it enough. I used it to get my tickets for the Alabama-Clemson game. Tony Mm. used it to get his tickets for the Georgia-Oklahoma game. But you don't have to just use it for sports. You can use it for shows. You can use it for comedies, plays, musicals, concerts, whatever you're into. You should download the SeatGeek app right now for free and use this promo code. It's what happened, and you'll get $20 off. That's what happened, and be sure to download the SeatGeek app for free. And if you want to go to a musical, and if you heard this song at a musical, chicks and ducks and geese better scurry. What musical would that have been? Download SeatGeek app in a hurry. (laughs) You know where I was going. All right. So Jeff Jarrett here has agreed 
to uh, answer the challenge of Chris Benoit, who uh, obviously was given the U.S. title by default uh, because, I guess, uh, uh, Razor Ramon or whomever he was, Scott Hall, was injured. And uh, we are going to see an impromptu match. But I'm going to tell you, fans, lock yourself in for this one. This is the best match on the car. And it's not even close. And it's interesting because this is Jarrett's second match on the show. Yeah. You know, he's pulling double duty here. Yeah. And and this shows you exactly what sort of uh, confidence that Vince Russo had in him and in the relationship these two guys had. Yeah. And not only that, it shows you exactly what type of guy Jeff Jarrett was. Uh, to be able to, I mean, he's had a, he's also did a run in on the last match. He's been all over this show. Yes, it, he has. It's sort of Jeff Jarrett's coming out party. And of course we know in the year 2000, uh, Jarrett would become world champ and have uh, quite a run there right before going on to, uh, start his own deal with TNA and right. they debuted right down the road here in Huntsville. Wow. I don't know that you knew that. Did they you know debuted that? in Huntsville? TNA's very first show was a pay-per-view on a Wednesday night, right down the hill here in June of 02. How about that? We should I, also mention here. You know D- what? What's that? I was at that event. I was too. I was in the back with Bob Ryder talking to Bob Ryder. Well, how about that? Wow. Who would have, who would have thought that all these years later, our paths would finally, meet. you'd be up the hill at my house. That's right. Next to my Starcade uh, 1997 poster. Wow. And ET. Yep. Calling a pay-per-view for mm-hmm. hundreds of thousands of slap dicks that you've never met. <laughs> I love all of you. Oh, look at that superplex in the top by the Wolverine. Chris Benoit. DDP, uh, beating, uh, David Flair got a mm-hmm. uh, star and a quarter Okay, in the observer sting beating the total package by DQ earned him a star. Uh-huh. Um, I guess we should mention too, that these guys wrestled, you know, talking about Sting and Lex Luger 10 years prior to this too, at Starcade 89, mm. uh, 10 years later, they're still at it here. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Nash, uh, <laughs> that match. Uh, got a negative star, right? Meltzer wrote very lame finish. Seems like this match was done just to get them on the card. No rhyme or reason for it at all, especially with a finish like that. Oh, baseball slide kick into the, and so what did this match get four stars? Yeah. And you know what I said earlier that anytime somebody gets four stars, you know, they called Meltzer. I don't think so here. I don't think so here. This match earned every bit of it. I, this, this match was tremendous. And this, this to me. I think this match to me just showed you exactly what type of, and of course you got to have two to make it a great match. I understand that. And we've been singing the praise. But Chris Benoit Jarrett. was next fucking level. Yes. I was getting ready to say it shows you exactly what Chris Benoit was. Chris Benoit, you know, very early on, I would say in my fandom of his, I heard Mark Madden refer to him as the best wrestler in WCW. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't doing that on TV. He was doing that on the hotline where he would say, I don't just think our best wrestler is Chris Benoit. I think he's the best wrestler in the business. And you go back and you read reviews from Dave Meltzer. And obviously before the tragedy, you would see that while, you know, and he's always been, look at this. Whoa, he's already busted juice. open. Yes, sir. And that's the hard way, by the way. You're darn right. It's the hard way. So what do you do there? Standards and practices. You stop the match. Well, you no. got to shoot it. Yeah. You got to shoot You're it. You're on pay-per-view. That's right. Um, of course, Meltzer has always been uh, really, really fond of Rick Flair and Bret Hart. Yeah. And he says even those guys could sort of phone it in and have off nights here and there yeah. where maybe they didn't have a bad match, but they didn't have a great match. But that Benoit was consistently night in, night out, house show TV or pay-per-view having great matches. Yes, he was. And before the tragedy, he certainly influenced an entire generation. And I think you could see 
his influence on Monday and Tuesday, any night of the week or any indie show, MLW.TV, there are guys who are going to work a style where they had some inspiration from some of the things they saw Chris Benoit do. Yeah. You know, his tragedy is a horrible tragedy on many levels. And obviously with, uh, with Nancy and, and their son, it's a horrible tragedy. Another part of this horrible tragedy is what Chris Benoit could mean to the business today. What he could do to young, will help the young guys today. It's in the, the worst thing that's ever happened in wrestling. Is it not? It's, it is by far. It's and, number one. The yeah, worst it's, thing. There's always been, and I guess we should apologize for referring to this as a tragedy because clearly it's not something that happened to Chris Benoit, it's something he did, mm-hmm. uh, but it happened. And, and we've never really had this discussion before Tony, you and I. But that whole thing happened a handful of years before we really knew anything about CTE. Right. And given some of the things we saw Benoit do over the years with the top rope headbutt, and of yeah. course he's going to do one off this ladder in a little yeah. while, yeah. and the chair shots, and just this hard style that yeah. he was working, yeah. you've got to feel like Benoit was certainly a victim of CTE. No question. There was no concussion protocol back then like there is now. And take a look at what we're seeing. And think it's about a car this. crash. Yes, it's a car crash. Think, and it, this was just one of many that he did. Right, one of thousands. Yeah, one of th- absolutely. And, and we should also mention, you know, it's weird for us to have a conversation about this because I feel like I have to just qualify everything. Yeah, we're not, um, we're not trying to get sympathy for no. Chris Benoit, and no. we're not trying to explain or excuse his behavior. No, but it is something that I think all of us have tried to understand. Yeah. Like, because I, I never met Chris Benoit, but Bruce Pritchard tells me that this was a guy who would traipse through airports in Europe for an entire tour mm-hmm. with big toys that wouldn't fit in a suitcase that he got for his kids. Uh-huh. Hamburg came. Yeah. And, and he would carry this giant, like horse statue thing that he got Amber Yeah, and he would carry it through thousands and thousands of miles for an entire European tour right. until he could personally see her in Houston to give her this doll. Yeah. And that's sort of who he was to the point that it was his son's favorite wrestler and his son had a pair of Chris Benoit tights and he loved them so much that he slept with the tights. Like it's his favorite wrestler. Sure. And they would play around the arena. And, yeah. and so then to sort of have all of that happen and then just a few months later. Yeah this all go down the way it does. It's really hard to reconcile that in your mind. Well, I knew Chris, not closely, not like I did a Ric Flair or an Arn Anderson who are, as you know, by now are my friends in the business. Uh, but I knew Chris well enough to know that he was as mild mannered and as friendly and an easygoing guy in the backstage area. But when the bell rang, he was the Wolverine. And that's why this was all such a head scratcher with me that, uh, and was it's a horrible and we're talking about this this tragedy and it was a tragedy we're talking about this as we're seeing these guys just bust their ass if you're able to still watch a Chris Benoit match i recommend this one as yes. one that you've probably forgotten about yeah you should you know lots of folks are going to recommend other Chris Benoit matches cuz yeah. he certainly had better matches but this match saved the whole show mm-hmm. to me and was a great example of, as you said, showing, you know, just how well-rounded Benoit was and what right. he was capable of. Yeah. He threw his body into everything that he did. Yes, he did. Um, everything was meaningful. And of course, Jarrett is the perfect foil for that because Jarrett is old, is old school enough to have a lot of psychology in everything he does. So they're not just taking bumps for the sake of taking them. Exactly. 
Jared has blood up against his face, and I believe that's Benoit's blood, not his, as he tries to go up here. So, uh, again, uh, I think the, the fans were were pretty much into this, but I think they were kind of shocked at what they were seeing as well because this was two guys risking life and limb. There's a lot going on here. Yeah. I feel like uh, now would be a good time while we've got just a few minutes to uh, cruise on over to Facebook. Uh, that's facebook.com forward slash WHW Monday. And we've, in, we've invited people to participate in the conversation and ask questions. And we want you to do that next week. Of course, we're going to be covering uh, the Nitro right before Starcade 1997. So if you have some questions, uh, cruise Whoa. on over to Facebook. Uh, wow. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. That, that bump off the ladder was tremendous. You know, and I know a lot of people are going to be upset that we're not calling this match right here, but yeah. it is a little weird to do it for Benoit. We've had plenty of Benoit discussion. Yeah. Uh, we've put over the match. If you want to go see it, please do. But it's also something we're not able to sort of laugh at and make fun of right. because it's a really good match. Yeah. Um, let's do some Facebook questions while we're, while we're watching this one. How's that? Okay. And I do want to pause. Sure. Uh, while I want to pause and show the big bump off the ladder when it comes. Oh, of course. Okay. So go ahead. Uh, Jared Sutton wants to go, uh, how do you sell Norman Smiley going over Ming in a hardcore match? How do you sell it? Yeah. You do your fucking job, dude. Uh, he also wants to know why in the world was Medusa booked to wrestle a man. Yeah. Well, again, it goes back to what happened with China in the WWE. Uh, Matthew Clarkson wants to know, and we're getting ahead of ourselves a little bit with this. Uh huh. Did Tony notice Brett was messed up or did he not see it? I didn't see it. Look at this right here. So he, he rolls. He, he rolls right through the ladder underneath right. yeah, and then comes back, bounces off the ropes, kicks the ladder into him. Yeah. He's going to set the ladder up Here and go comes. to the top. And I think everybody assumes, I mean, it's a ladder match. Right. Grab the belt. Exactly. And he sort of takes a page out of Jeff Hardy's book. Right. And instead, and we should mention that this is just two months after the crazy tables, ladders, and chairs match in the WWF does the throat slash. And here comes the headbutt. My God. A little CTE uh, for you. In hindsight, there's no telling yeah. what sort of damage. Now, realistically, you can kind of protect yourself. You hit your chest first, uh, protect your head if you want, but there's no way to really protect it that much from coming off the top. Well, you, your, your brain is in you know, yeah. fluid. So right. when it's moving back and forth. Yeah. Regardless of what it hits, it's yeah. going to jerk it. Absolutely. And there he becomes the U.S. heavyweight champion. Or holds on to the U.S. heavyweight title. The fans erupt as they should they, because of what they've seen. And they, and by the way, they didn't have a ton of time. I mean, but they weren't short on time. Mm -hmm. That's about as good of a match as you can have in that situation. I think. As you said it right, Conrad saved the event. Yeah, yeah. It's. Uh, I think Scott Hud Hudson said it's uh, one for the ages, and he was right. Uh, and a pat on the back to. Uh, to Jeff Jarrett as well, out of the bunkhouse match into a ladder match. I mean, he was the Iron Man here. Yes, he was. And here's your replay. Yeah. Kicking that. Look at that fall, man. Jesus. Serious bump off the ladder. Yeah. And then, of course, just the, the dive right off the top. Yeah. Harley Race, Dynamite Kid style, sprawls all the way out, and then pops right back up, climbs yeah. the ladder again. A U.S. champion, Crippler, Chris Benoit. All right. So there it is. Look Can you him. imagine? Look I mean, he'd be that. the head trainer at NXT right now. Would he not? Yeah, <laughs> he would. 
if he'd wanted to be, if he wanted to be. Amazing performer. Amazing performer and just a, a horrible story. The most fucked up story ever in the history of wrestling. Yeah. Who called and told you? Scott Hudson did. Really? Yeah, I was driving to the airport. And uh, he told me. Did he just say they were dead or did he know the whole story then? He just said they were dead. Uh, that that Nancy was dead and Chris was dead and their son was dead, and I've been out of the business long enough to not even know that Nancy and Chris had a son. I see. So, well, let's uh, let's go back to the pay per view. We'll get back to our Facebook questions. So we've got uh, sort of an interesting match here, where for whatever reason Goldberg is not figured into the title match, and Bret Hart becomes the champion. Uh, they become reluctant tag team partners, but become successful and actually win the tag titles. But the match is sort of built here on mutual respect. Uh, Roddy Piper here is down to count them as the winners and, uh, they win the tag titles from standards and practices. And now Brett is a dual champion, both tag champ and world champ. And that happened on thunder. Of course, they're trying to get some attention over there, right? The outsiders really want those belts back. And, uh, they're going to be trying to challenge for the tag team titles. And we know how that ends. Of course, the outsiders are successful and it shows a little bit of the chink in the armor, uh, in their partnership when it looks like Brett has been attacked backstage. And so now Goldberg is going to be, uh, in a spot where he feels like he has to still defend the titles. So he's going to go out there by himself, two on one against both of the outsiders. Um, normally the the whole two on one thing is something Goldberg would look cool doing, but they don't make it work here because Kevin Nash gets a pin over Bret Hart, who had limped out to try to help, and uh, the jackhammer wasn't enough for Scott Hall. He didn't manage to get the pin in time, and I feel like this promo is a little bit of a miss because we've sort of got two baby faces, and we know what's going to happen eventually, right? Um, but two baby faces who respect each other. Is that really what you want on your headline of the biggest show? Don't you want a more heated issue? You would think you would, but another flip side of this is that Goldberg is over. Like, as we know, and Bret Hart is one of the biggest stars ever. So to me, there's a lot of intrigue in this match much in a much smaller way. Okay. Much, much, much smaller way. As Hogan and Ultimate oh, Warrior. I knew you were going to say that. Okay. Well, but here's my point. That's the worst drawing WrestleMania at the time. You know, it, okay. it, it downloads died or looks at me talking podcast wise. <laughs> um, the buy rate died right. from five to six. Uh, and, and Vince blamed it being babyface versus babyface. Okay. And then 12 was a, was a bit of a disappointment. And again, that was babyface versus babyface. Right. It feels like for your big pay-per-views the precedent's been set. You need a heated issue. You need a baby face. You need a heel. You need someone to boo. And these guys were, I respect you. Well, I respect you too. Well, I'm better. Well, I disagree. Yeah. It's a little like now, of course we know what's going to happen eventually, but even that doesn't really happen on this show. Uh, in hindsight, this pay-per-view feels like the nail in the coffin for WCW to me. I know you said that the beginning of the end was Starcade 97, and we'll talk about that in a couple of weeks. But that pay-per-view did monster business, and you guys would go on in 1998 to break that record right. with Bash at the Beach and Carl Malone and Dennis Rodman. 
But by this point, you know, this is a year after you beat Goldberg. It really feels like, fuck, this is the end. Yeah. It's sort of interesting, yeah. too, in hindsight, you know, to see that Bret Hart's the champion. He's coming out first. Yeah, because uh, Goldberg was really the star. I get that, and I'm not upset about that. Okay. Talk to me about the presentation here of Bret Hart and WCW, and we get lots of requests to break this down, but Bret's coming out without the leather jacket. Yep. He doesn't have sunglasses to give a kid in the crowd. Right. It, he's not carrying the Canadian flag. Yeah. It just feels like there's there's a lot to be desired still about the WCW presentation of Bret Hart. Why do you think some of those gimmicks that we've come to know and associate with Bret Hart aren't present here? Uh, that's a good question. I, you know, we, we were perceived as WWE light back then. Well, but my point is, I mean, Hulk Hogan, he didn't say, all right, brother, it's a new company. So no bandana, let's right. get new colors right. and right, fuck right. ripping the t-shirt. Right. Well, maybe they wanted him to do it and he didn't want to do it. It just feels like it feels odd. Well, and, yeah. and Eric Bischoff has been critical of Brett and said that Brett came in unmotivated uh-huh. and was sort of half-assing it. And of course, Brett has said that Eric Bischoff is the biggest cockroach in the history of the business and he's wow. scum and yada, 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 okay. uh, who had no business being in the business. But when I see this and I see that Brett's here with no sunglasses and no leather jacket, it does feel a little bit like. That he's, are they sabotaging him or is he half-assing him? Yeah. Which is who's, who's right here, right? The door is now about to explode with Goldberg. And we see when he comes out, he's got Nick's on his head. Mm-hmm. I feel like we've, we've already talked about this too much, but given what we know about CTE, what the fuck is he doing? Yeah. Now he, he didn't know that of course at this point, No, but he just did it on raw, you know, about a year ago. Um, yeah, he's nuts. And and locked himself loopy before a promo. Right. I don't I don't understand the motivation for before I go out here and have to remember all my moves, let me give myself a concussion. Yeah, that's true. But maybe he just gigged himself and hit the uh, door with his hand. Well, he didn't. Okay. I mean, look at him. All right. Uh, the only reason I mention this is he's about to end Bret Hart's career. And I guess I'm wondering if he wasn't a fucking idiot mm-hmm. and didn't try to get didn't concuss himself yeah on purpose uh-huh. backstage would he have been as likely to have ended bret hart's career this night i think so you think he would have been just as likely oh yeah i mean look goldberg was was an absolute monster that was completely when the bell rang and he was ready to wrestle was a he was i, I put it this way right here right now if I would have walked up to Bill during this entrance, say, Bill, how you doing? He probably would have knocked the shit out of me. That's how he was. He was a different, he turned into a guy just walked by the camera while you were shooting. Really? Like just now, I yeah. know you're looking at me and our listeners can't see that, but yeah. in the middle of seeing Goldberg, Goldberg lost in the sparks, yeah. the guy just walked, a staffer walked right in front of the that's camera. That's great. That's, that's us. But anyway, he, he turned into this monster. He turned to, he's, he's crazy now. He's absolutely crazy now. And that's why uh, Tom Petty's right there on the right. Look at that. How about Tom? How about that? Goldberg won't back down, but <laughs> Brad Hart should have. Uh, all right. I want you, and I, I, fans probably know this. I want you to tell me the, the moment to when he ended Bret Hart's career. It's a mule kick. Um, okay. You'll see it. All right. 
And I'll be honest, when you see it back relative to some of the other things we've seen, yeah. you know, through the course of us calling matches together here over the last year and, and sort of reviewing some of this stuff, it doesn't look that bad. Right. But again, we're not ever really privy to what's a shoot and what's a work. Because if it's, if it's really well done, it looks like it connects every time. Sure. Uh, well, this clearly connects, but you're not sure is Brett selling or what? Right. And, uh, of course we got our answer. Wow. It's sort of an interesting deal because Bret Hart to so many people, he's their absolute favorite wrestler. And he was their favorite wrestler at a town at a time when the business was very much down, you know, he was on top when business was down and before it got white hot, you know, he was here in WCW and things just weren't really the same. And, you know, Brett sort of said his piece and Eric said his piece. If you had to come down on one side or the other, would you say that this is more of WCW didn't know what to do with him or Brett Hart was unmotivated and sort of phoning it in? I always say that we didn't know what to do with people. So I would, I would err on that side. Well, you know, it's interesting that you say that because you say you don't know what to do with people, but then Hulk Hogan has some, his best years here. And Bill Goldberg has his best years here. Right. Um, and I know I just cited two examples, but even a Kevin Nash and a Scott Hall, some of these guys had their best runs mm -hmm. in WCW. Right. Um, so I don't know necessarily that we don't know what to do with people is fair. Okay. I'll give you that one. Well, I mean, at the same time though, Vince McMahon himself, in negotiations with Bret Hart said WCW wouldn't know what to do with a Bret Hart. Mm -hmm. And in hindsight, it's hard to say that he was wrong. Yeah, that's exactly right. Let's go to, um, let's go to Facebook. Okay. Uh, Michael wants to know, uh, Bret wasn't the same after the incident. I remember attending a thunder taping in Buffalo where he wrestled Terry Funk, uh, Bret taking unprotected garbage can shots to the head. He didn't know which went, which end was up. Mm. It's interesting. It's the third time now we're talking about it. Yeah. How little we knew about head trauma. Yeah. For him to continue to work matches and hardcore matches after right. this. Yeah. And that's why kids these days should be so careful with this. Jesus. Lee Potter wants to know, do you wish Goldberg kicked you in the head rather than having to watch this? No, that would be Starcade 91. Yes. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. This question is for Conrad. Which number is greater Goldberg's winning streak or the number of times you and Bruce have replayed Brett's head, getting kicked into the fifth row. <laughs> I don't know why people think I hate Bret Hart. Uh, I don't hate Bret Hart. I was a, I had a Bret Hart action figure as a kid. Yeah. I went to a house show as a kid and got Bret Hart sunglasses. I'm not anti Bret Hart. I just, uh, uh, I don't always co-sign people's bullshit. And sometimes Brett has some bullshit and that's okay. How about this muslin bread up? Yep. Wow. By the way, that doesn't, nothing about that looked working. Everything about that looked like what you were talking about yeah. for real. Right. For real. The monster has been unleashed and this is, you know, I was trying to remember and trying to think about what move hurt Bret Hart. I thought this was the one I thought that slam right there was the one that hurt him. No, uh, because that was pretty stiff. Uh, lots of questions on here about, do you think the fate of WCW might've been different if Brett had been in good working condition for all of 2001? No, 
uh, WCW was bound to fail Bret Hart in condition or not. Dave wants to know, were there any plans to reveal the powers that be? No, not at all. Um, Justin wants to know, did Norman Smiley ever offer to give Tony the big wiggle? <laughs> if he had, I would have taken it. Ryan Brown wants to know, how did Billy Kidman, um, pull off getting Tory Wilson? I don't know. He must be hung like a horse. I, I don't know. Jesus. That, that's, that's one of the mysteries of life, isn't it? It is. Brandon wants to know who thought it would be a good idea to bring back the varsity club in 99. Uh, that would have been, uh, Vince Russo. Uh, James says sting turned heel in September of 99 and aligned himself, uh, with Luger by November, they're feuding and sting is back as a baby face. What went wrong with Sting's heel turn in 1999? Uh, just, it wasn't money. I guess. I think the answer is sting was not a good heel. Well, yeah, I, I think I, we're saying the same thing. Yeah. I think sting and, and steamboat, those guys are just better as baby faces. They're baby faces. Absolutely. Uh, Matt says, seems odd that in 97, the stampede alum were what was best for business. And by the year 2000, it was over. Did the industry excise them? Or is this just results of a horrible turn of events and age? Uh, it's clearly a horrible turn of events. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I don't think anybody planned Owen's tragic death. No, my goodness. Um, what was the reaction backstage after the Goldberg Bret Hart match? Was the heat on Goldberg for being so sloppy? I was gone uh, again, Conrad, well-known. Uh, I, I, I left, I, I didn't never stayed backstage to see what was going on. I ran to my car. So what were the plans for Brett after this win? I don't, I have no idea what his, the plans were for him. You'd have to ask members of the booking committee. I believe, uh, thank you for working that in. Yeah. Um, I think the gist is they're going to bring back the NWO. Mm -hmm. and Brett's going to be the leader, and it's going to be Goldberg versus the new NWO, and Okay, Brett's the leader. Well, you know, they turned Goldberg heel, and I guess maybe they turned Goldberg heel because Brett was hurt, right? Yep. Tyler wants to know, was Ming frustrated backstage with uh, the way he was booked? Is this coming up here? No. That's not it? No. Okay. Uh, Roger Spurin wants to know if you'll play F. Mary Kill with Evan Courageous, Tom Zink, and Rey Mysterio. Okay, uh, I would uh, kill Evan Courageous. Of course, we knew that Kill one. Evan Courageous and kill Evan Courageous. Okay. Okay. Uh, John wants to know, why didn't Flair use the baby arm as a finish? <clears throat> Please. Next question. Uh, how annoyed was Tony to see what? Medusa having to work with nothing happening Watch to out. Evan Courageous? Mm, I don't know. Wow. How annoyed was I seeing a, yeah, I was annoyed every time I watched Evan Courageous with or without Medusa. Hmm. Uh, how hostile was the revolution guys at this period? It's not too far from their exit. Hostile. Yeah, of course, you know, we're not too terribly far away from those guys being upset with the creative and the Kevin Sullivan's back and, and they're out of here and requesting their release. Yeah. Do you recall there being a lot of rumblings of them being unhappy here? No, not at all. Not at all. You know, uh, I, I need to make this very clear with everybody. And, and, and I appreciate, I appreciate these questions. I'll answer them as honestly as I can, but I did not walk around the locker room and put, you know, I didn't, 
I know there was, there was a bunch of stooges in the business. I never thought I was one of them, but I did not walk around the locker room. We had our own locker rooms and listen to what the boys had to say. I, I didn't, uh, you know, the boys can only answer that. Jeremy so, wants to know why on earth would anyone approve of the Oklahoma gimmick? Yeah. Well, again, that was, uh, uh, you know, it, it was my feeling. And I think I'm right about this, that Ed and Vince, Vince Russo, did not care a lot at all with Jr. I, there was some heat there. Oh yeah, I don't know but, what it was. Well, they felt like they, he undermined them. Okay, let me ask you this: You know, how was that? Re, how was that met with the boys? Did anybody have a problem? Did anybody say no? Hey, I don't know if this is a good idea. No. Uh, when the character was portrayed on TV, did you think enough of Jr. to call and give him a heads up or no. say you're sorry? Like I didn't that? know it was coming until the day of. So did you call him after? No, I didn't. No, I just fucking. No, I just I wanted to stay. I didn't want to get in the middle of this shit. Does that make any sense to you? Right. Um, what was the reaction backstage to Bret Hart's head injury? Of course, you didn't know at this point because you were out of here. Yeah. But when you first hear, hey, Bret's not feeling himself. Yeah. Um, is there any heat on Goldberg that you know of at any point for that? Uh, from Bret Hart, yes. Uh, from but We should mention that he's since forgiven him and said it's not his fault. It's WCW's fault. For not properly training Goldberg because mm-hmm. Bill didn't know any better. Yeah. And you know, he obviously has changed his tune on that over the years. And Goldberg has said that he feels very, very guilty about it. And mm-hmm. obviously if he w- could do it over again, he would. Right. In, in no way was this intentional. No, of course, but not. it was very much sloppy and could have been prevented. Yeah. You know, there's, there's been a lot of moves throughout the years that have been sloppy and could have been prevented. Absolutely. Uh, so, I'm not saying this is the worst injury in history. No, but but it's one of the more famous ones because of of what it did to one of the greats' careers. But but still, there have been a lot of those moves that have been done, and I don't know if blaming WCW for this is correct or not. I mean, it's easy to. I mean, even with even with proper training, even with proper training, a guy like Bill Goldberg, who when the lights went on was a, a completely another person. Uh, I, just, I mean, shit's going to happen. Shit's going to happen. I just, I don't know. Nathaniel wants to know how much of the show changed from that morning to the first bell. Do you know? No, I don't think any of it did. Sorry. Um, did Sid and Nash get along? Did Sid and Nash get along? Uh, I'm not so sure anybody got along with, uh, Sid Scott wants to know who had the bigger wiggle Norman Smiley or Klondike bill <laughs> Norman Smiley did. I don't know. I don't know how much wiggle Klondike did except with maybe with his tongue. How about that for an answer? Huh? We've got, uh, 12 matches on this show. I think how crazy is that? Yeah. Well, it's better than having uh, a bunch of matches that mean nothing. Arthur wants to know, would the evening have gone differently if Lash LaRue weren't such a fat fuck? (laughs) Oh, God. Lash LaRue. Gabriel wants to know, why are you always defending Russo? Rewatch his October 99 to January 2000 shows and tell me that's good TV. Okay. Uh, Who was that from? Uh, That's from Gabriel. Gabriel, did you ever work with Russo? No, he did not. Okay, then how the fuck do you know? Uh, Michael Haynes wants to know what was Brett's feeling working with Goldberg? Uh, Brett's feeling working with Goldberg. I think he was concerned because of 
how stiff he was. I mean, we all knew leading up to this match he was, but he was a pro and he was still willing to go in there and do it. Is this mule kick going to come near the end here? Yeah. Okay. Referee goes down. Second ref bump. Second ref, ref bump we have. We're going to end up having three ref bumps. Uh, and uh, the fans are calling for it here. Here it is. Here it is. That's it. Wow. That move, and you see him grabbing his face. Uh-huh. That ended his career effectively. Wow. And changed the course of his life forever. Uh-huh. And you can see slow to rise, but you wonder, is he sailing? Wow. And then boom, another. And then the spear. Mule kick and then the spear. Think Goldberg realized what he'd done here? No. And I don't think so either. I don't think there's any chance. Yeah. You know, Rich has the best question of the night. Okay. He, he wants to know, did WCW ever consider a Lois on a pole match? Uh, no. That would have been a good one, though. So now we see okay. a very stern-faced Roddy Piper right. walking very slowly to the ring. And, of course, Piper was the referee on Thunder a few weeks back right. when these guys won the tag titles. Uh-huh. He counted them down as the winner as they beat standards and practices. Yeah. And uh, Brett here is going to try to go for a submission. He's going uh-huh. for the sharpshooter. As soon as he rolls him over, Piper calls for the bell. Right. And we're sort of recreating again for the 900th time, the Montreal screw job and Brett's one with the sharpshooter, even though it's obvious Goldberg didn't quit. Goldberg stands right up. Right. Uh, Piper jumps off the ring apron with the belt, almost loses it. Cause, uh, his knee was unstable. Right. And to my surprise, he just walks out yeah. with the belt and right as he gets to the entrance. He's going to turn around and give the belt. Brad says, Hey, what are you doing? And Piper just hands him the belt and the show's going to go off the air. Let's go, go straight to black with Goldberg really confused in the ring and the fans are confused and everyone acknowledges that they haven't seen a tap or a finish and they go to black. Right. And that's how your, your biggest pay-per-view of the right. year, your version of WrestleMania Starcade, goes off the air. Tony, it, it's kind of like a Sopranos finish, isn't it? The, yeah. The I, last, the last episode of Sopranos. And how did people like that? Yeah. They shit on it. It just went to black and everybody goes, what happened? What happened? I don't know if you, I know you remember the final, the finale of Sopranos. I thought my cable went out. Right. Uh, and we just went to black right there with us talking. So it was, uh, it was bad. It was a bad ending. It was an absolute bad ending. Uh, some good things happened during the match, during the, the event, but overall it was bad. So, but I lived it boys and girls. I was a part of that bullshit. And yes, I my work wasn't that good back then, but we weren't that good back then. Meltzer gave it, um, two and three quarter stars. Yeah. And um, as you remember, Brett won the world title the prior month at Mayhem. Uh, we did a show about that if you want to hear it in the archives. And uh, I think one in, in Canada. I Vermont. think everybody remembers back in '99 when Brett called out Goldberg and he was wearing like the metal plate under his hockey jersey. That was pretty awesome. And then they wrestled uh, the night after Halloween Havoc 
for Goldberg's newly won U.S. title. So these guys had worked together a few times, including, as we mentioned, that tag match. And um, there was a lot of talk that they were going to try to set up a Hulk Hogan, Bret Hart match here. Of course, we know that that never really happens. Right. And that's sort of the end um, of Bret Hart's WCW run. Of course, we see a little bit here or thereafter, but he's never the same. Yeah. And and Bret has written in his book that before the match happened, he says before they go out, whatever you do, don't hurt me. Did you ever hear that? No. He's compared the uh, the kick, or he says the, the forearm in the corner uh, early in the match left him days, and he compared it to swinging a pillowcase full of bricks. Wow. And he says that uh, Goldberg said to him, sorry, brother, when he realized how hard he hit him. And he's supposed to, he, he points out that when he did the figure four around the post, that Goldberg was actually supposed to grab Brett's foot to stop Brett's momentum. Right. So Brett wouldn't hit his head on the concrete on the floor. Right. Well, of course he didn't grab Brett's foot. So Brett winds up hitting himself, um, on the concrete on the floor. And here's how he lays out the kick. Brett wrote, I snapped a boot into his knee, fired him into the ropes. And as he reversed me, I heard him call, watch the kick. I had no idea what kind of kick he meant, and there wasn't much room coming off the ropes. Goldberg was standing right in the middle of the ring, standing sideways to me, and his right foot flew just under my right hand, which I thrown up in an attempt to shield my face. Wham! I felt like someone shot me with a hockey stick and an agonizing blow that sent me crashing to the mat where I lay holding my neck just behind my right ear at the base of my skull. I was thinking, I've got to get up for the finish but I don't remember what it is. I got up just in time for Goldberg to spear tackle me. Like someone was running over me with a car. I was dazed and glassy eyed. My neck was killing me. The dressing room was almost empty because the boys had rushed to beat the crowd out of the building, except for Roddy and the WCW trainer, Danny young. I told Danny, I hurt my neck and he apologized because all he had was a few packs of Advil. Uh, Brett says he was slurring his speech right after the match. And he wrote when he staggered through the sliding doors of the Marriott fans who would usually stampede over just to get pictures and autographs stopped in their tracks. They could clearly see something wasn't right. He says that the hotel lobby that night was a blur and that the rooms, uh, were spinning and he dropped his bag off and, uh, passed out at the bed. It's, uh, wow. He says that. The kick left a hole in the side of his neck that will never heal. And of course, the next night on Nitro, he forfeited the title and had a rematch with Goldberg. Uh, beat him again, this time by pinfall when the outsiders interfered. Outsiders interfered, and they, of course, reformed the NWO with Brett and Jarrett uh, as the new members to uh, the outsiders. And, and he called that match flat, and obviously, it didn't do great business. It only did 4,500 tickets. And then the, over in Mobile, they did 1,797 tickets. So business was down way, way, way down right. after this. And even the next night on Raw, by comparison, uh, Raw got a 5.8 rating. Uh, Nitro, the night after Starcade, only got a 3.2. Um, yeah, it's still a pretty good number. No, it's not a bad number, no. but when you're in competition, yeah. it feels like half 
And right. it's just not the same. Right. Brett had his last match on January 10th, 2000 on Nitro against Kevin Nash. When, when this comes out that he's hurt and this is going to be his last match for a while. I don't think anybody knew forever. Right. Did you think this is something he'd be back from in a month, two months, three months? No, no, I, I didn't. You thought this was it. I thought it was it. Yeah. Really? From all I had heard, you know, did you ever have a conversation with Goldberg about that kick? Never did. No. Um, Brett attributes the damage from that kick as one of the reasons he had his stroke in 2002. Do you buy into that? Uh, did the doctors tell him that? Or is that just him saying that? Uh, I'm not sure. I mean, there's so many, gosh, a stroke is such a, uh, a weird thing from all I understand. How can you point to one thing? A stroke a lot of times is high blood pressure. Uh, and it has a lot to do with a lot of times a stroke has a lot to do with your, uh, your medical condition, not, uh, any blows that you've taken. So I think it'd be, I, I would think from what I know, it'd be very hard to say that if the doctors told him that, then I'm wrong. So I don't know. Um, you know, I know a lot of people talk about Goldberg just sort of running rough shot over everybody in WCW, but Goldberg had three singles matches with Bret Hart. Yeah. Bret's three and oh. Against yeah. Goldberg. How about that? Um, of course, we said, you know, Goldberg's very remorseful about what happened. And I guess we should mention, as we sort of put a bow on this week's episode, Meltzer wrote this about Starcade 99. There's no indication that things look bright for the company. Privately within the company, there's been an admission that the company is actually closer in popularity now to ECW than it is to the WWF. Obviously, there is some feeling that the hiring of Vince Russo now was a big mistake. While those who didn't want him in the first place are arguing his concepts aren't working and they need to cut their losses. There's clearly an opinion that getting rid of him after two or three months wouldn't be fair. The company is still not doing what would be considered good ratings for most shows on cable. WCW should be the number one wrestling organization in the world. And just 18 months ago, it was. It's now no secret why it isn't. How can it get there again is a lot more of a mystery. All right. Why did he say... WCW should be well, I'm sure because he, of the talent, because of the talent and because of the carte blanche that you guys had with the cable networks. I mean, you had a real relationship with a, with a powerhouse cable network. You're yeah. backed by a legit billionaire. Yeah. So you've got unlimited resources behind you, unlimited access to cable channels and arguably one of the best rosters in the history of wrestling. Yeah. Well, I never thought we should have we should be the best. I always thought Vince should have been the best. Again, it goes back to this simple matter. I've said it many times, and I know I'm going to throw it at everybody's face. It was his money. Yeah, that's he was playing with his money. We were playing with somebody else's money. You know, that's the thing that I, I always point to. That is always going to be the difference between Vince McMahon and WCW. You know, WCW was able to make some deals and cut some deals and manage their finances where the people who were making those decisions didn't necessarily make more or less based on those decisions. Right. And if Vince could keep costs low and keep gross revenue high, Vince made a shit ton more money. Right. Eric Bischoff is going to make pretty much the same money. Now there right. may be some different incentives here or there, but it's not all strictly tied to just profitability. Right. Give you another example. A guy is pissed off in the WWF or WWE. Who does he 
call Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon. A guy's pissed off in the WCW. Who does he call? He tries to call Ted Turner. Does Turner take his call? No. No. He points you to Eric Bischoff. And don't think a lot of guys didn't try to call Ted Turner. And well, they all turned away. So there. Well, there you go. There's the end of Starcade 1999. And I guess we should put a bow on this week's episode, Tony, and ask, where do you rank Starcade 99 all time amongst the Starcades? The Starcades, it would be in the bottom third. Uh, where would Starcade 91 be? It would be dead last. So there you go. Uh, we talked about the best of times and the worst of times on this show. And coming up next week, we're going to get to something really, really good. It's the go home edition of Nitro. Uh, just in time for Starcade 97, join us on Christmas day, which will be kind of fun. Um, Christmas day is when we'll be covering that. Now the pay-per-view or the show you want to watch rather is December 22nd, 1997. And don't forget to set your calendars December 28th at 7 PM. Eastern. We're going to cover one of, if not the biggest show in WCW history, Starcade 97. Wow. I'm excited about that. I'm excited about it too. And I bet you didn't know this whole time you've been in my house. There it there is. There it is. Framed yeah. in my home theater. I'm and excited about it. And as I'm looking up to the left, Sting is looking right to my soul. And that feels like a nice time for us to say that I am at Hey Hey, it's Conrad. You are at Tony Schiavone twenty four, and we are out of time. We're out of time, but now we've got Daphne going up against Lois Schiavone in a nuts match to the most out of control women in the world and they are going to do the boob bump <laughs> the boob bump bump <laughs> the boob bump back and forth we're out of time we gotta go the tape machines are rolling boob bump Tom Zink, Tom Zink, let me tell you why he's the best of all the guys. Tom Zink, Tom Zink, with his wonderful grease slapper once he's on your tail. He won't quit because of him, there's no such word as fail with Tom Zink, Tom Zink, the rule of NLW Radio never stops.